Sorry, Jack. Chucky's back. Conan is reborn, and Little Nicky is freaking terrible. This week on 302010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 302010, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine each week, taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years back in time uh, to find you the best anniversaries on all of pop culture. Of course, we'll be talking about movies, TV, music, video games, and more, all encompassing November 6th through the 12th, the year 1990, 2000, and 2010. We always say uh, it's like opening up a window uh, just to the right, left, and center of you, uh, and you can figure out what you were doing and like what school you were at and who you were in love with sometimes by some of these releases. But it also, we don't say this enough, it, it shows how exponentially we grow as, <laughs> as a culture. And uh, hopefully this episode will have a little bit of that, too. And we find some hidden gems. I think yeah. that's my favorite thing about this show is mm-hmm. finding things I've never heard of before and watching being like, well, damn, I want to tell everyone about that. Mm-hmm. I think we have a couple of those this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, yes, as always, the show is brought to you almost exclusively by Patreon.com slash LazerTime, supporting the whole LazerTime network. Our executive producer this week is 302010, practically fourth Mike MVP J.R. Rawls. He, is, he does almost as much research into this show that we do. <laughs> that we do. You are much appreciated, Jr. We love you, and he's a he's he's joined by many other fine people at patreoncom slash time for the low cost of five bucks. Get a bunch of exclusive shows. We'll do an exclusive video game podcast with the Video Game Apocalypse guys, telling you all the the game anniversaries that we're talking about because there are. This week is basically, especially in one of the decades, it, it is one of the two weeks you strive to release anything on this medium on. So it, it's going to get a little crazy in the game section. Just just even rattling off titles. But there's so much more than that. The best, worst Adam Sandler movie. My we f- haven't introduced ourselves. Oh, my bad. Sorry, sorry. I'm one of yours, Chris Antista. I'm Diana Goodman, and I want to learn ballet. <laughs> it's me, Sarah, the unstoppable train of this podcast. Oh, I meant <laughs> to put Denzel in there somewhere. Um, but, yes, we start, as we always do, in 1990. Again, we're talking about November 6th to the 12th. Um, in the, and we begin with the year 1990. On the 12th. Of no, uh, November in 1990, Tim Berners-Lee publishes formal proposal for the World Wide Web. Hmm. Happy birthday! The World Wide Web. I I trying to remember when we stopped calling that uh, calling it that ironically because hmm. it it is how we refer to the internet initially because yeah. there there was always well, some was kind a, of internet that uh, the military uses. Yeah, uh, the first known web page is written the next day using hypertext transfer protocol uh, <laughs> to connect with a, doma- a document written in hypertext markup language via a uniform resource locator. Diana wrote that. She's the nerd. Uh, I wrote that, but you know exactly what I it do. means because yeah. I capitalized the first letter of everything. It's using the, the difference between the internet and the web is it uses hypertext transfer protocol, HTTP, to mm-hmm. connect with a document written in hypertext markup language, HTML, HTML. Mm-hmm. via its uniform resource locator, its URL. That is so wonderful. That's what's different than the internet. You're not calling up another computer. You're calling up a document that is hosted on a computer. Huh. Yeah, and it's it's. I think, yeah, in like two years, I will be on the internet. I don't know that we'll be using any of this shit because it was mostly message boards on Prodigy. 
But mm-hmm. in two years, I'm using the, the internet on the reg. Uh, yep. Please tell me about Mystery Science Theater 3000 episodes I don't know exist. Because there is no episode guide, except for <laughs> one they, they're going to publish soon. That's insane. That is like, that is, that is, that is really the beginning of the internet. This is the internet That's launching it. itself. Uh-huh. Huh. Literally, this is what we think of as the internet. This is it. 30 years ago, right, we're not, it begins. We all know about ARPANET and whatever Al Gore created. But like uh, this is this is the one we still use, and yeah, that's pretty nuts. Happy anniversary thing that may very well tear us apart and murder us. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, let's get into the movies of 1990, November 6th to the 12th. Reversal of Fortune, <laughs> starring Glenn Close, Ron Silver, and Jeremy Irons. Everyone else believes my lady's not diabetic. That anyone with so much to gain, you do have one thing in your favor. Everybody hates you. Oh, that's a start. Must have something to hide. In Europe, a gentleman is given the opportunity to end things properly. You're a very strange man. You have no idea. I think this is, as a kid, this is what I thought all adults were watching without me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <Okay>. betrayal. <laughs> I watched this movie today. Uh-huh. Uh, it's available on HBO Max. And let me say, as a side note, the rigmarole Sam and I had to go through to get HBO Max yeah. was insane. Like, what is happening here? That thing is a mess. But anyways, watching it, I was like, this is, oh, this is obviously a TV movie. And I was like, maybe it's an <laughs> HBO movie because it's very, it just feels like that. And then Sam was like, yeah, he's like, Jeremy Irons was nominated for Best Actor for this. And yeah, I, I didn't. Dude, he won. He, he won. He won an Oscar, and this made him more famous. Like he was kind of a, you know, known for like, a, you know, fancy people knew him, but he's not like popularly known. I mean, before he had stuff like The Mission and Dead Ringers, which are mm. you know more artsy fartsy. Yeah, yeah. And this like makes him like a movie star. Like people recognize him now. <laughs> it's so campy. And I, I'm just reading is. the description. Ron, no, it's so good. Ron it's so Sil- good. I loved it. Ron Silver, I'm like, he is going to get in trouble for whatever he's wearing. And then it looked down like, Ron Silver is Alan Dershowitz? Yeah. Has, has that guy been on the periphery of every awful thing that's ever happened over the last 40 years? Pretty just much. About. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about this when we talked about Blue Steel, and I was like, Ron Silver only plays creeps. And then I realized, <laughs> this is him as the hero, and he's fucking Alan Dershowitz. Wow. Yes. So funny. And also, there's like a lot of other, like uh, Christine Baranski's in this camp. Mm-hmm. Felicity Huffman is I, in this. I saw. Annabelle <laughs> Chiora is in this. Noted like, felon Felicity Huffman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this. Everyone's doing the craziest accent they can possibly do. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. But you're you're right that it does have like this HBO movie feel is the uh, HBO movies cover this sort of thing a lot. Like it's based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Um and it's about creepy rich people being creepy mm-hmm. at each other. Mm-hmm. Check. And then and then it's also a legal drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, like a Check. really good legal drama where yeah. like all like and it's somewhat like feels realistic legal drama and it's like there aren't a lot of big scenes in court of like you know you're out of order everyone's out of order it's more like we have stacks of paperwork mm-hmm. and i'm mm-hmm. just gonna throw a bunch of law students at this room full of paperwork figure it out guys but yeah so it's it's a true story of klaus and sunny von bulow uh sunny von bulow was worth a gajillion t dollars and suddenly fell into a coma and her husband was accused of trying to kill her Mm. And uh, he's creepy and weird. And you can tell because he's played by Jeremy Irons. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, you know, he like gets convicted and then there's, you know, uh, it's all about the appeals and trying to get him off. And the fact that it's like 
yeah, he's so unlikable and so creepy. But did he actually do it? Mm. Like, you can't just send someone to jail for being rich and creepy or else, you know, the entire 1% would be in jail. And boy, that would be awful. We want him to want to have done it. And it's it's pre-OJ days, so we weren't like hyper skeptical on every millionaire. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, he has the most to gain. He's mm-hmm. going to get all mm-hmm. her money and get to fuck whoever he wants. And she's been Christine weird Bransky. and annoying. <laughs> and yeah. Not my and first it's just, choice. And it's really fun. It does like a Rashomon thing in there where it's like, uh-huh. well, maybe it was like this. It's mm-hmm. like maybe he tried to kill her and it went like this. It's like, well, maybe uh, she OD'd and it went more like this. And yeah, it's just, it's got so much fun stuff in it. This is like kind of one of my favorite legal thrillers. It's a really good one. I, mean, it, I, I enjoyed the crap out of this. Having not it watched it, it enjoyable. does it doesn't not look like a drag movie. It, 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 it <laughs> it's really, extremely camp. It, <laughs> every whatever socialites were wearing back then, okay. But the yeah, I mean, ooh. look, Jeremy Irons is still playing. It, it's Uncle Scar from Lion King. That's he just recycled the character. He even yes. recycled the catchphrase. Oh. It's the same guy from uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Right. Yeah. Simple Simon said to the Pyman. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Lots of oozing menace. Yes. Yes. Uh, and oh, speaking of menace, uh, something I have watched several times. Man, why would this come out <laughs> November sixth? Uh, I don't understand. What Halloween's over, and now we get a horror movie? Yeah. Alex Vincent, no Jenny Agutter, Gert Graham, Christina Lee, Grace uh, Zabriskie, and of course the voice of Brad Dorif. Child's Play Two. In 1988, she was destroyed and left for dead. Now, sorry, Jack. Chucky's back. Child's Play Two <laughs> starts Friday, November 9th at theaters. <laughs> Is this movie always like uh? It creeped us the fuck out. Like just just mm-hmm. these were great effects. Um, if you didn't listen to Elm Street Nightmare last year, when we got halfway through the Chucky series, Child's Play has one of those weirdo <clears throat> production histories because it began production at MGM. They made the first movie and they weren't really interested in another one. And everyone, all the producers and writers were, and they managed to take it over Chucky over to universal where he's been ever since. And we got that remake because MGM has the rights to remake child's play one and no other child's plays. Uh. So I don't know that even though that movie was also successful, we may never see a follow-up to it because the actual Chucky universe has not stopped. Uh, Alex Vincent, he doesn't play the role of, uh, uh, no, I'm forgetting his name, Andy, for a while, but then he he returns as an adult later in the series, and apparently there's a series coming to sci-fi that will follow up on this storyline. But this storyline being, they find out about the demonic doll, and they, of course, corporate entities try and reproduce them. There's some wonderful corporate murder. Um, it proves Chucky knows how to use the internet. It's very strange. Uh, the brand new internet, but but like it feels like a, a a budget has been given to this film, and my only complaint about it, I'm like this is astonishingly well lit, whereas before like every, <laughs> everything's dark and they're hiding things because it's either a small person and Chucky's clothes film from the back, and they they they'll make proportionate furniture to try and make Chucky look like a convincing murderous doll, but the whole last sequence that takes place on the in the assembly fact in the uh, Toy Assembly Factory. Great animatronics, great gore, great silliness, and just wonderful, wonderful. Charles Lee Ray and Brad Dourif just just hamming it the fuck up. It's one of the best. So Chucky is still after that kid from the first movie? Chucky is, uh, because of the incantation Charles Lee Ray did on himself in the first movie, 
in the beginning to run away from the police, he's still trapped inside the good guy doll and he needs a fresh uh, soul to swap with so he can take over their body. And, you know, if you think about it, basically... But he's still going after that same kid. He's going after the same kid. He can't find a different kid? I, I do, there was there there might have been some <laughs> rationale behind it. I think it would. I forget what it is, but like, dude, there is a there is an understandable continuity to why he keeps chasing Andy, and mm. uh, that that goes away after the the next film. But um, yeah. So, do children like now in twenty twenty play with dolls anymore? I don't. No, I really I don't. Was kind of thinking about like this idea of like a demonic doll is going to be completely like just a very very old-timey thing in a few years i feel like i mean the last like haunted doll thing we had was annabelle and she's like an antique doll right she's she's creepy in her default state whereas like chucky was something sought after the good guy doll was something sought after by kids i know let me be clear i know little girls who play with dolls friends kids but i also little girl Mm -hmm. no little girls who don't uh, but yeah. I definitely don't know any little boys that play with uh, something like Chucky. But we did when I was a kid. There oh was... yeah, I mean, like Cabbage Patch was cross gender. Like everyone had a Cabbage Patch. My kid. buddy, my yeah. buddy, my buddy. Yeah, it just seems like something that I've never really thought about. That's going to go away as like a touch, like a, a thing that I'm people. Not, play I do with. not mean this to sound old and cranky. The last time I was in Disney World, I did not see any. <laughs> under 10 boys holding dolls. I saw them doing Fortnite dances. Mm. And so I, I don't, I, I, I kind of don't understand how those can simultaneously appeal to a kid under 10. Yeah. Well, memes no, are like, the new dolls. It's like, what is the cutoff between like a doll and an action figure? Like you think about the, the size. It's true. I don't know. Yeah. Because I mean, I watch enough cartoon network that I do see ads for things. that's like, oh, I guess that's a doll or it's somewhere between a doll and an action figure. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. They're out there. But even right. even then, even then, like little boys' toys when I was growing up, and probably not now, were not conditioning me to be an adult, whereas yours were. Mm-hmm. So uh, Learn to take care of babies. Yes. Really? Oh, my I toy, do anything better? My toy shit itself, and I have to buy disposable diapers for it. This is fun. <laughs> I feed this child, and oh, it's going to eat my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the toys that named us. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff uh, we've done on Laser Times here that I can reference in this episode, by the way. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Uh, but Television 1990, uh, this is number one at the box office, too. So it's a big deal for Child's Play. Universal's first grab, if you were a little kid in uh, Florida when Universal Studios opened up, it was really weird to see a character like Chucky kind of thrust at you because I wasn't allowed to see these movies. He kind of scared me, but he was all over the theme parks. Very, very, very undisney. Um, but moving on to television, 1990, uh, on the 8th of November, ooh, a fucking fantastic episode of The Simpsons, Dance and Homer with guest star Tony Bennett. Uh, Homer, Homer trying to boost the morale of the Springfield Isotopes, great great baseball name, uh, mm-hmm. ends up dancing in the stadium and kind of riling everybody up. And it works. Topes win, like for the first time in a long time. And um, we get the origin of a very weird side job, one of Homer's first side jobs. Uh, here's the origin. Hey, hey thank you. You're too kind. Glad you enjoyed it, but I can't take all the credit. The batter did his part, too. Excuse me. You, sir, a dancing fella. 
I'm Antoine Tex O'Hara. I own the isotopes. Would you be interested in becoming our official mascot? Me? Uh, a mascot for a Bush League team? I should have slept on it. Or at least stared blankly for a while. Perhaps if I'd been unable to think of a nickname, all our lives might have been spared. Get on the bus, dancing Homer! Will you shut up? I'm trying to think of a name! <laughs> <laughs> it gets his ass all the way to Capital City. Um... Where he, uh, where that's where Tony Bennett pops up to sing an original song about the fake capital of wherever Springfield is. <laughs> wow! Uh, and it's it's just a wonder. I love it. I, in the beginning, I really loved it when the Simpsons could leave Springfield. It's also one of the few uh, episodes told in flashbacks. Uh, the Simpsons hmm. don't do that very often. Um, anyway, it's a great episode. The whole second season to me. Again, this would be the second episode I taped and watched once a day. I love this show. On the 10th, SNL, uh, Jimmy Smits and musical guest World Party host SNL, uh, but it also happens to be David Spade's and Julie Sweeney's first episode. I, oh. not until I moved to California, did one of these sketches like super resonate? And there's one where Jimmy <gasps> Smits is in his, yes, his corporate boardroom ordering lunch yeah. and they decide to pick Mexican and everybody is over pronounced. Oh. Um, I'll have two enchiladas. Enchiladas. <laughs> And oh, like, I was going to bring this up too because that's why I still call things tornadoes. Tw- <laughs> Thirty years now, yeah, a big spinny cloud that hits a trailer park is called a tornado. And uh, uh, in every- South Florida, the news anchors do the same thing, by the way. <laughs> but in, but in every environment in California where we would order any kind of south of the border food, you got to it was a parade of wonderful accents and because i can't tell what the fuck anybody here is like uh, maybe this is how you pronounce it but uh, <laughs> is it okay if i say whatever taco bell calls it uh, i have <laughs> yeah. no idea that's true you will get the range of people especially san francisco mm-hmm. where no one is actually from here you get the nice range of people calling it a burrito or people calling it a burrito 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 uh yeah and uh man this this devastates me to know even though i had no idea at the time it happened uh, that Charles in Charge has just had its finale. Oh, he was in charge of our days and our nights. It does explain sure. it for me. Um, I, I, I say this uh, not sexually, but like I thought the girls on the show were the prettiest people I'd ever seen in my whole life. And I, was, I only saw the show at my grandparents' house. And I, I looked forward to it. And I didn't know why, just that it, I think it ran on CBS for one season and then went syndication. So, like, my town literally didn't carry Charles in charge. I considered it a delicacy I'd get only going to Savannah, Georgia. Um, And so I'd watch a ton of Charles in charge and just stare, you know, without a sexual inkling in my body at what I thought were the two most beautiful girls I've ever seen. I don't remember what they look like or what their names were. I just thought Charles in charge had the cutest women on the show ever. And now Scott Bayo's tarnished everything about it. So I'm not going to go back and revisit any of it. And it'd be creepy if I did. Five seasons, and it was yep. real popular with the, you know, teenagers and younger. And mm-hmm. I feel like it it had that niche that Saved by the Bell supplanted it, mm. Mm. which ah. is brand new if we remember. It's like yes. yeah, it's sort of like it's on during the days after school, and it's uh, cheaply produced, but people like it anyway. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And, I and bo- it sounds like it's like got a cheeky like male star, basically, who's like, oh, he's getting trouble he's famous from happy days scott bayo uh not like today where he's famous for talking about politics on fox news and but uh he he, uh people knew him from happy days and he's like a a young nanny or something to these kids yeah 
And uh, I believe in the last episode he leaves to go to Princeton or some such shit. Correct me. I bet none of you will because no one cares about this. Uh, and uh, also out this week, a TV movie I might want to see. Mm, uh, Dan Loria, Joanna Kearns. Oh, a TV movie, the big one, colon, the great Los Angeles earthquake. Oh, TV parents are in danger. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, man, I hope. And that, Ed Begley Jr. Oh, Woo. I hope he. Ooh, I hope he drove his solar car off of the fucking Universal Studios set because I love that earthquake ride. Oh, wait, that, again, that's only Orlando, isn't it? Oh, I love that earthquake ride. No longer exists, I believe. Very, sure. well, nor should it have ever. A, I mean, a, it was a weird one for sure. Earthquake is a section on the Universal Hollywood tram tour. We had a whole ride based on a movie from 1973 that I have never heard a human soul bring up, and that ride stood there until like the 2000s. And the concept, just to talk about for a second, the concept of the ride was like very similar to Twister, is not a ride, but the Twister thing at Universal Studios Orlando, where it's like, we are taking you onto the movie set to show right. you how this works. So, like, there's no conceit that you're like actually in, in peril. Right. Because I was the grip, I got to be the grip. My grandfather oh, filled fine. it on a camcorder. Yeah, I pulled the fucking Good. rope and the rocks fell down. Um, <laughs> but it still had, like, Universal Studios is, like, full of fire yes. things that made you feel like you were about to die in a fire. They, they cranked. They Jaws cr- the ride. I don't know what the difference is, but they cranked in false heat. False yes. heat to make everything feel hotter. But let's see if that has anything to do with the, 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 the big one, not the Michael Moore movie, The Great Los Angeles Earthquake, the TV movie. In 39 American cities, from Portland. I mean, is this really going to happen? To New York. Could be a matter of months, even years. To Memphis. This town could be sitting on a ticking bomb. And Los Angeles. How long do we have? What are we supposed to do? There is a question no one wants to face. It runs right under the heart of the city. We are headed for a major quake. When is it coming? Seems to me none of these earthquake prediction theories work. Why are you fighting me on this? You should find some way to muzzle her. Things good. You know, Diana, you, you, mm-hmm. I, I didn't spend my majority of my life as a Californian, but you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you I've just. I've been through some good ones. Yeah. They're talking about it. The big one is coming. And it's almost like it feels almost religious now. Like, mm-hmm. or, or, mm-hmm. or are we just getting lazy? But like, do you yeah. forget that like California is due for a cataclysmic earthquake? Uh, no, I mean, I don't forget. I'm one of the only people I know that has emergency supplies and that's what they're for, not for the apocalypse, (laughs) 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 you know? Uh, yeah, the, it's like I've got a bunch of water set aside and some freeze-dried food and some trash bags. Yeah, at, at my corporate jobs, bags. one of my corporate jobs, they like handed us an earthquake survival kit when we walked did, through orientation. So yeah. like Californians are aware. <laughs> how? No. Like, I don't know how you go through life just being like literally at any second. But you, you say that, but then, like, hurricanes are far more devastating. Hurricanes happen every fucking year, yes, right? Yes, but we see them coming. Like, we yeah. know they're, they are spinning in the Gulf. It's like, oh, shit, this is a big one. Yeah. And hopefully, if you can't evacuate, which many, many people cannot, at least you can batten down the hatches. Yeah, hopefully. you can sandbag you know? your she shed. And- yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of the same for earthquakes. You can earthquake-proof your house. You know, you don't put any heavy shelves over your bed because mm. statistically speaking, it could happen in the middle of the night, so you don't want shit to fall on you. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you, you secure things to the wall decently so your furniture doesn't fall over. <laughs> as many of my action and figures would. It, Her, yeah, uh, yeah. Earthquakes oh, would wake I me up in the middle of the night. I'd go back to sleep and it would. I just never thought about it. But like, I love how many Floridians ask me about that. And like, do you know what you placed yourself in the fucking blast radius of man? Like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, I'll take an earthquake a- anytime over. A yeah, and I was I was telling hurricane, them like, hurricane, it's prolonged. Yeah, you can see it coming, but you might be left with standing water for weeks. Anything, you know, anything, yeah, in the, anything in the Bay Area, shake, 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 shake. Things fall down. Maybe there's a fire. And anything in That's the Bay Area that was built in like the last thirty years has like enormous springs underneath it that are meant to withstand earthquakes. We have yet to make a hurricane-proof house. There's yep. <laughs> nothing. Um, all that is true. Yeah. So like, yeah, like, like earthquakes never scared me. Hurricanes do. There. Yep. Um, and, well, uh, consider me chastened. <laughs> but but can the dad from the Wonder Years and the mom from Growing Pains stop the earthquake? <laughs> question mark. Someone needs to put a muzzle on her. <laughs> it was about that time I realized my mom was susceptible to earthquakes, and there was nothing I could do about it. Uh, and uh, we, I think we moved this from the movie section. I don't because I looked up this yeah, release. Technically, it aired on Showtime. It so. did in America, but you know how that gets, that gets wonky. But I don't know what the release date is. Psycho number four, or should I say zero? The beginning. Mm. Anthony Perkins, uh, Henry Thomas, Olivia Husey, and Cheech Pounder, CCH Pounder. That's our personal name for it. We love the shield. Psycho for the beginning. This is Brian Ambrose on KTK, Talk of the Town. I call because the focus of your show tonight is what makes boys kill their mothers. Are you saying you killed your mother? I killed some other women, too. You want to tell us about your mother, uh, how she drove you to become what you became? She'd be sweet one moment, and then she'd suddenly turn... Mean. Mm. Don't you have <laughs> uh, yeah, psycho the fourth psycho, Anthony Perkins, man, just really getting the most out of this character. Is this the oh, final yeah. one he's in? This is it. This okay. is the last of Psycho. The only other psycho we'll get is Bates Motel, which is basically a TV version of this movie. And the ah. Gus Van Sant remake, yeah. A big chunk of this movie is flashback to Lil Norman Bates, played by Henry Thomas, which is surreal so great to have mm-hmm. elliot playing norman bates and he is really good in it because I'm, I'm so glad so many people have like rediscovered him watching like haunting a hill house and bly manor mm-hmm. and stuff it's like mm-hmm. that guy kills he always has been amazing yeah, i always forget that's that guy he's great yep and i, I love um, to see him playing anthony perkins it was nothing like that penis breath Yeah, so it's basically most of it is flashback as Bates Motel, and the current day stuff is Anthony Perkins, or is you know, quote unquote, modern day Norman Bates. Somehow he's out again after Psycho 3 uh, because (laughs) a nurse fell in love with him, and now he's called into this radio show saying how he's going to kill his wife. (laughs) And that whole part is just, oh, I don't care. But it's like it's kind of like Julia and Julia, where it's like if you just watch the Julia Child part, it's a really good movie, and you can kind of skip the other stuff. That's totally true of Psycho Four. If you just watch the Henry Thomas flashback stuff, it is real solid, yeah, and just these interesting movies... and fun. And like normally, I would think I don't need an origin story, and it's like they do a pretty good job, man. It was it's very strange to watch because there's not so much. Uh, uh fandom or an internet community there's not like an internet for people to complain like wow we don't need a new psycho but critics definitely didn't like shit these are not bad 
None of these are bad. Yeah. Psycho 2 is pretty good. And, and uh, Roger Ebert said 3 was even better. And I, nobody wanted this. I hate this. 3. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really don't like 3. But Psycho 2 is so much better than it should be. Mm-hmm. It's actually pretty dang solid. Psycho 3 is more of a slasher movie. And right. so I don't like it quite as much. But directed Psycho by... Psycho 4 is like a pleasant little surprise. Like, oh, okay. And I can see people, someone watching this and being like, we can make more out of this relationship. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, we should have said that earlier, channel. but like be a cool uncle and show a kid Psycho. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, it was it was yeah. a, a longstanding horror franchise for a very long time. And I think with that Bates Motel show, like I don't know that the next generation is going to give a fuck. But the first Psycho is really good. It's really it's, cool. Um, fucking amazing and appropriate for kids that say 11 and over yeah i mean you don't see a lot of blood you don't there's definitely no gore and it's in (laughs) black and white so you're kind of removed from it and if they start to freak out tell them it's hershey syrup because that's what it is Mm -hmm. oh yeah it looks more like blood on on black and white that makes sense she's actually we had a we had a distance meeting of like my dad and a couple of the neighbors uh during halloween and you could just see our little dog biscuit in the second floor window, like a silhouette, and like, where's Biscuit? And like, oh, you mean old Norman Bates over there? And we all look, and you just see like this dog Norman. staring. And like, so, so for the next couple of days, he has just been called Norman Bates by everyone. And, and I want to make sure everyone gets that reference in case we change his name to that. I mean, he does love his mommy so much. Oh, and I didn't, I didn't know um, this. Um, I've always threatened to do that laser time where I talk about. Uh, Universal Studios, an actual uh, in Florida as an actual filming location, and I remember the, one of the first things you see from the parking lot is the Bates House, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I remember you know reconciling that in my mind years later. I'm like, why the fuck would that be there? It's for this. They rebuilt oh. the house and oh. it stood there for years. And to do uh, it in Florida, they shot it. Using they shot. The they shot huh. this movie in uh, Universal Studios, Florida. Oh my so, gosh, I would totally do that show with you. Yeah, yeah, I've been threatening to do it for a long time. I really want to, and mm-hmm. you know what? I think we finally will. So twenty twenty one. One last thing, I can get the youngsters in on this, even though we're just post Halloween. The director of this wrote Hocus Pocus. Everybody, <gasps> you have my attention. <laughs> all right, that's all you needed. There you go. Fucking sweet. Uh, and I could not find any video games that came out this week. But again, I usually do a much deeper dive into like the arcade stuff and try and congeal multiple dates into one for the big video game show that we do with Chris Baker, three in a row, patreon.com slash laser time. You can check out the brand new episode over there. It is very long. Talk about Spider-Man, Sharded Dimensions, Castlevania 3, wonderful shit. Uh, just almost in time for Halloween. But music this week is just huge as well. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, November 6th through the 11th in 1990. We've got new releases. Uh, Bird Brain by Buffalo Tom. Comb of Souls by Creator with a K. Crazy World by The Scorpions. Hell's Ditch by The Pogues. Refugees of the Heart by Steve Winwood. Rhythm of Love by Kylie Minogue. Madonna's The Immaculate Collection, one of the, be- the biggest-selling CDs of the decade and is technically a best-of album, but it does have a few new tracks that will land it uh, in the news shortly. And I'm Your Baby Tonight by Whitney Houston, which will have several number ones. And but a, another huge yeah. album. And uh, with that, we will take you out with "Love Takes Time" by Mariah Carey. It's number one this week, and not about Christmas. Yeah, that's <laughs> she. Mariah Carey always worms away into my life every November, early November. Uh, but we'll close out with "Love Takes Time." We'll be right back with the year two thousand. And oh man, there's something we really got to talk about. Stay right there.
Tallahassee, I mean Orlando's own Creed, and is welcome to 2000. I thought they were done already, but I guess they were in, kind of no. in full swing. No, I think 2000 this is, is the, the peak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the peak of their powers for sure. And also, one of our friends opened for them when they came to Tallahassee. It, is, it, it makes me laugh. So it, you, you don't say one of our friends. Aaron's been, he's in the Laystone yeah. community, he's been on a bunch of the podcasts. Aaron the boy. Because, uh, yeah, Aaron the boy, he played in um, what was supposed to be the next Creed. He was like with the same studio and all that stuff. Um, and there's, so for some reason, if you didn't see it recently, they put, because he's a little baby. He's like a 14 year old kid playing bass in like 25 year old, in 25 year old people's bands. And yeah. he was, and so he's basically with Creed all the time. And just, I don't know. It's one of those things I love about Aaron, like constantly playing in bands that play music he does not like. And it's just, just you are in so many pictures with Creed. This is fucking hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> this is hysterical. Um, anyway, Creed is number one this week. Yeah. They're the Swedish now, chef now. I, I got a tough question for you. Creed or Nickelback? Ooh, they're like, both, they're both the same. Would we rather... Yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of overlap there, and like it's very, very basic bitch rock and roll. Oh, 100% I would rather listen to Nickelback any day of the I, week. I think it, just with where we are now, like, uh, yeah, I don't recall Nickelback's lead singer threatening to, like, kill his wife or, like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> like uh, yeah. on a drug, Sorry. like a drug-induced nervous breakdown and, like, hating all his bandmates. Nickelback's still touring and nice. Like, fuck, I don't care yeah. if I don't like their music. Go, go yeah, nuts, true. guys. They're, they're Canadian. It's a lot harder for them to be so terrible. Yeah. For real. I, honestly, I have no truck with Nickelback. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I don't even, yeah, I have, I have no car or truck with Nickelback either. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, but Creed, yeah, they, they came up in so. our town and then they got a, they got an album deal and said, yeah, we're from Orlando. I'm like, you only played here for two years and you never came back. I'm glad I don't like you because I def- yeah. definitely it's, don't now. I think the cre- it, they're so self-serious mm-hmm. and it's not just like the Christianity. It's just the seriousness of like, this is uh-huh. really important, you guys. We're the first people who have ever made any of these thoughts. Yeah. Yep. Like, oh, you're so basic. To mix Jesus and spiritualism in Iraq, we're the first people who have ever been inspired to steal from Jim Morrison. Fuck, I hate Creed so much. Um, Also out this week, Coast to Coast by Westlife. Um, We're talking about November 6th through the uh, 11th in 2000. If the Creed talk wasn't (laughs) perfectly clear. Uh, We also have Halfway Between the the Gutter and the Stars by Fatboy Slim. Good Lord. Um, Mm -hmm. Utterable by by The Fall. Forever by the Spice Girls. Is that their second album? Third? Third? We're starting, we're on the downward slide with Spice Girls. Mm, They've sort of peaked. The Color of Silence, Tiffany's comeback album, and Pure by Gary, Gary that Gary Newman? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, goodness. Um, and, um, and T- no, sorry, I was thinking of Gary Glitter. No offense, oh. Gary Newman. Uh, I was like, what? He did Cars, but I mean, yeah, I don't yeah, love that I, song, I, I should but it's not, fine. Yeah, he should not be lumped in with Gary Glitter. Uh, <laughs> TP2 by R. Kelly. There, or people like R. Kelly. TP2. Mm-hmm. That stands for more toilet paper. Um, I need toilet paper. Yes, that is what that stands for. A hundred percent. Do you, Antista, do you remember, uh, now that I saw The Fall, I there was a song I was obsessed with when we first met. Do you remember what it is? Because now I'm trying no. to rack my brain for it. No, no. Dang. That, yeah, I, I don't know what was. I had satellite radio and you guys had iPods and there was yeah. this whole weird world of music that I had never heard of and would never hear of again during that period. Yeah. And The Fall being one of them. Yeah. Uh, Oh, and yeah, this is 2000. When did we meet exactly? 
like oh four oh something like yeah, that. Yeah, oh four. Oh four ish, because like I know two thousand. Man, this is really tough for uh, people in my city. We like all of us who grew up in Tallahassee remember this day, election day in the U.S. And everything goes insane. Um, mm-hmm. Florida, New Mexico, and Oregon are are too close to call. Everybody starts to blame Ralph Nader, who got two million votes, um, including ninety seven thousand in Florida. Bush's margin of victory there was never more than eight thousand, and I thought after the recounts were done, Gore still had it over Bush. And it depends on the recount. There are there there have been folks who have tried to figure it out after the fact and there's a couple versions where gore comes out slightly ahead usually it is bush by only a couple hundred out of how many million votes are cast in florida Mm -hmm. uh yeah there's one thing i recommended last week uh in classic corner 537 votes on hbo right now and one of the best things about it is the montage of election night and all the coverage of them saying, like, first they call Florida for Gore, then they take it back because it's so close. And then they keep going because up until now, that shit is done by the end of election night. Mm-hmm. And watching, you know, Dan Rather at three in the morning and he is getting weirder and weirder. And they're just <laughs> laughing. They're, Peter Jennings is just laughing now. Like, everyone is just wackadoo because it it, it was always finished by now. Mm-hmm. Why are we still going? What are one? What? Uh, I, oh God, they're going to have to recount. Okay, I guess uh, we don't know. Huh. And, and this what, is getting weird, everybody. What terrifies me? We're we're recording before election night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should definitely mention that. Yeah. Just talking <laughs> about this is giving me a stomach. Yeah, like, because I, I remember the the fuckery that came out in yes. Florida alone. An entirely Jewish county that all went Bush, and even they were like, "Huh?" Uh, oh no, they went the Buchanan. Buchanan, Buchanan yes. that's right. They went Buchanan. A, an entire county where like somebody just had like the absolute balls to tell every black person, like, "Um, oh, okay, you're registered to vote, but you do have a warrant out for your arrest." And mm. like, like fifty thousand black votes, like, doom, boom, gone, and like never cast uh, on election day. That kind of shit. Yep. Like, uh, Florida is fucked, and like they. I cannot imagine it won't be more underhanded this year. I have the utmost faith uh, of who I think is going to get the most votes, but the fuckery that's going to ensue after it afterwards mm-hmm. is going to break us forever. Forever. Yeah. That's why I recommend that documentary, mm-hmm. even though like the first half is pretty much just about Elian Gonzalez and the rest mm-hmm. of it is mostly about the Miami Dade recount. It's an, it's a great snapshot of what, was going on just all kinds of fuckery everywhere where you know gore once recounts but only in certain counties mm-hmm. and oh right bush's brother's the fucking governor mm-hmm. and the head of his campaign is the secretary of state and she sets a deadline and why is she setting this deadline no one can meet this deadline and then the bullshit about this fucking hanging chads and and these cheap ass old machines it's like how can you tell what their intent was and so, so much fuckery. A lot of which we have learned from, and a lot of which we have not. Yeah, I think I was I was just shocked to, I think someone was running down, like, the background of the Supreme current Supreme Court justices and how many of them were mm-hmm. involved in this election fuckery. They yep. were rewarded. Kavanaugh. They were Robert rewarded Kavanaugh. with yep. better positions for the rest of their lives by denying you your vote. And yeah. it's a, I have no faith we're going to do this right. I am not one of those people... I don't predict violence. I think uh, right-wing nutbags are, by nature, cowards. And part of the reason they're so upset is because they can't make a mild sacrifice for the betterment of their country or fellow man. So they're not going to start shooting everybody. But what's it going to be like with someone... 
if we end up with a president everyone knows shouldn't be president and doesn't want to be president, mm. we already you think you went through that, but you're like, yeah, that's what the that's what the electoral college said. But what if it doesn't this time? <laughs> yeah, what I if- I don't know. Like I said, we're recording before election day. This will mm. be out, you know, a couple of days after election day. Hopefully. We will have some idea what's going on, but 2000, it goes on for five more weeks. Yeah. We're going to keep talking about the recount starting, stopping, starting, and, stopping, doing this, doing that. These guys sue, those guys sue. And I figure 2020, we're going to have a fair amount of that also. Uh, so speaking from the past, uh, I just hope no one dies. And my my, my sleepy little town that had only made mainstream news previously for a teacher showing a group of children uh, (laughs) I spit in your grave and a a friend of ours waking up out of a coma during an episode of Seinfeld uh, (laughs) like like became the national epicenter for every news outlet in the universe and I couldn't get to school on time my friends are like what are you what are you you guys doing like we're getting all our Halloween costumes on we're gonna go burst onto the news because like they made our town like unusable for a while for quite a while and I'm just shocked that like this could all happen again. This could all this could all be happening right now as, <laughs> by the time this episode goes up. Um, yep. And that's and why here, I got... If you see someone out there with a Garfield costume and Seth Rogen glasses, it's your boy. I know you ain't seen me in a while. Yep. And here is the part of the story where I shame third-party voters. Mm-hmm. And here's where I tell you why I'm uniquely qualified to shame third-party voters because Mm. everyone knew Florida was going to be really close. And so that 97,000 people who voted for Nader, I understand why you did it because I voted for Nader too. Mm -hmm. I'm confessing now. Me too. (laughs) In Florida. (laughs) No. Yes. Yes, I did. He's the first presidential candidate I've ever cast my vote for. Yes. Wow. Wow. We wow. I am ashamed. I for me, I don't like the vitriol that came towards Ralph Nader from all of this because he is a great consumer yeah. advocate and deserves a lot of plaudits for that. Yeah, he's pretty qualified but, to do the well, job, he, too. Yeah, well, here's the thing. He was running as a third-party candidate because people were worried that Gore, who'd always been the more liberal of Clinton and Gore, mm-hmm. was heading towards the center and turning into Bill Clinton 2.0. And mm-hmm. that's not what the left wanted. So people were voting for Nader both to elect Nader and as a protest vote to remind right. Gore, you know, you don't have our support right now. You got to earn it back. And protest votes for third parties, they don't often work that way, especially mm-hmm. when you're in a state where things are close. I voted for Nader because I was a Nader trader because I supported Nader mm-hmm. somewhat. But I had a friend in Pennsylvania who wanted to vote for Nader. And I said, Pennsylvania is a swing state. We're going to trade. You vote for Gore for me in Pennsylvania, and okay. I will vote for Nader for you in California, which Gore already has locked up. This is this this is going to get plucked out and used against us. I just know it. Vote I trading via podcast. Yep. <laughs> Today on Tucker Carlson, I know that's not a good Tucker impression. Okay, um, so now I have ninety six thousand nine hundred ninety nine more Florida Nader people <laughs> to yell at. Now that I know, Christopher it wasn't just it wasn't just me, and like in your assertion of Gore, like we were really young and like, didn't really know yeah. much about the guy at all. Like it was, I think well, if anything, like speak for yourself, bitch, I was working at a newspaper at the time. Yeah. Oh, I should also mention that I am super pissed off because I, I worked swing, not quite a swing shift back then. I think I left about 8 PM. I was at the San Francisco Chronicle at the time. Mm-hmm. I left about 8 PM. And so I wasn't there to hear them actually say, stop the presses. I'm so oh, mad. Damn it all. Have I you actually any, did it? 
Have you at least heard a child say, extra, extra, read all about it? <laughs> no. Damn, no. you haven't gotten anything out of your career. Or seen I Newsies. Like, I've seen Newsies. Okay, then you've heard it. Come on. And, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, you got to sell the papes. This uh, Pulitzer is putting the boots to us. I don't regret that because I didn't understand the fundamental difference at the time between uh, Gore and Bush. And I did learn that lesson um, mm-hmm. a little more because because Gore was very boring. And like and like the last guy yeah. who, you know, like my parents. forbid. The last guy, the last popular Democrat, Clinton, he like wouldn't mention him. Like compare mm-hmm. that to like. Oh, Joe Biden drops Obama's name like every other sentence where like Al Gore for like a year and a half did not mention the guy who got elected twice that he came in with. God, and I wish we had some boring candidates. It, it, it I would kill no. for kill for a little boring right now. God, yeah. all I need. I want boring. I'm craving it. Biden's almost there. But you know what I want is I want McCain to have gone after Bush harder for the shenanigans in South Carolina during the primaries. Yeah. Yeah, it it sucks yeah. that he was like, no matter what you say about McCain, he was probably a little too decent to be in the game. Yep, this is true. They spread horrible rumors about him, so mm-hmm. he started losing primaries. Never Racist gave, ass never rumors about he has a secret black child. Just, just thinking about uh, like thinking about the discourse now and like, why is Obama Trump? Muslim? He's like, will you calm down with that shit? First of all, he's not, and it wouldn't matter if he was. And like, what a refreshing Republican candidate. <laughs> the current one yeah. just told a bunch of trucks to attack a bus. So like, <laughs> it's. This is what I'm saying. It, it it shows how we this show can show how we've changed. Um, mm-hmm. not just in the style of our pop culture, but like uh it's it's so much uglier than it was then. And yeah. uh yeah, speaking from someone who was caught up in it and quite literally in the middle of it, it was an absolutely miserable experience and never got any better. Mm-hmm. And and I just w- wish I could say that to certain Trump supporters, like, it's been four years. Have you been happy even one day with this have you been happy <laughs> one day you are more miserable than me like <laughs> yeah that that is a big difference is i i feel like it is a, there's there's i'm sure a lot of the same shenanigans are going on but i don't remember seeing militias out in the streets right. in 2000 yeah i mean it would have been frowned upon for uh, a president to openly court white supreme 30 2010 is the show anyway, that we we have so, fun with. yeah get get ready for the next yeah five six weeks as we start going into it because obviously this just dominates the news all day every day yeah. and sitting in an actual newspaper newsroom and everyone is refreshing the secretary of state's website in florida watching the counts just go all over the place yeah. mm. oh, so are y'all two that you y'all two are definitely the type that like want to be like refreshing the website and stuff while this is going on and like I, I have a feeling. I, I want to take a sleeping pill until December, basically. Like, I that's a, what I want. I feel like I got it out of my system that time. Yeah. And now, after a while, after weeks, knowing that it's like, this isn't helping. This isn't helping. Right. It's not good for me. It's not, it's not helping anybody. Physiologically, so, no. it's bad. Like the chemical, the, at, the adrenaline, like in your body from like. Yeah. That feedback loop is really physically harmful. I, I can't you. wait. Yeah. I can't so, wait so this to. This time, I'm pretty much I'm stepping back. It's like, eh, we'll, I can't we'll wait. get to it. I can't wait we'll to get to it in six years. It's one of my favorite pop cultural events most people never saw and no one talks about. Mm-hmm. But uh, Stephen Colbert had just started The Late Show, and because Viacom owns CBS and Showtime, they did an uncensored election live election night thing on Showtime. Oh, and we right. were like, I was. I, it's again if you didn't hear a podcast from four years ago i'm just not gonna do a bonus time this week i don't think because like i can't go through that again he has jokes prepared like haha 
this feels better than watching the news, which is just like they are trauma and uh, uh, endorphin dispensers. Mm-hmm. Whereas yeah. like there's at least jokes and sketches and they brought on people to, to actually talk about stuff. But it's slowly, and he had admitted this later, like we did not prepare for one one of the four scenarios. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can just see, they have the guys from the circus on and like everyone is white and like they just start pouring shots. It's one of, to me, it's one of the most interesting things I've ever seen happen because like where people just give up on a show. And I think his <laughs> his final nine minute monologue, which seems largely unplanned and comes after him slamming bourbon for like the last hour. Uh, it, it this Colbert, the, yeah, it's not appropriate for thirty twenty ten yet. I just want to mention it because it's one of my favorite pop cultural things that I don't hear getting a lot of. Uh, it's surreal. It is one of the most surreal things I've ever seen on television. Like a a guy who's almost entirely in character having to realize, shit, I can't joke about any of this. Mm. Uh, We Mm. can't even do this material because it didn't, we all thought this was going a certain way. And like, this is, this sketch is done. We just have to fill air. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Well, Um, when this show comes out that we're speaking on right now, it'll mm -hmm. be a couple days after the election and maybe things will be decided, but probably not, I'm expecting. So here's a reminder to everyone. Take a walk, get away from Twitter, mm-hmm. get away from the TV for a little while, hug your loved ones, say the serenity prayer a couple times. It's going to be okay, y'all. We are going to yeah. be okay. 2,000 movies. Uh, we have 2,000 movies to talk about. No, no, the movies of the year 2000, November 6th through uh, the 11th. Charlie's Angels is still number one at the box office. How do they get down like that financially? We don't know. <laughs> uh, and here's the first Robert De Niro movie, I think in like, Five years I didn't see in a theater. Uh, Man of Honor, Robert De Niro, Cuba Gooding Jr., and Charlie's Theron. Just a um, by-the-numbers yeah. military horseshit drama. I saw it later and felt nothing. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's based on a true story. It's about, like, naval divers, and Cuba Gooding Jr.'s the first black guy in this elite diving program. And, yeah, it's fine. It's inspiring, but it's incredibly by-the-numbers. I. It's, like, I have, did not see this, but I just thinking about what diving looked like back then like the apparatus uh, apparatus oh, that yeah. you had to deal with it just gives me cla- it's, it's wild that we were like let's go into the ocean for extended periods of time here's a tube with air good luck it's, it's <laughs> weird because like uh, yeah it's was, like the big diving suits it's you know like a big metal bowl on your head yeah, but yeah, the big the big diving crazy. suits just make them look like like metal astronauts yes, it's like what astronauts still well, wear <laughs> I mean, that makes perfect sense because, I mean, the ocean is basically space. Yes, yes, especially yep. at this point. But I'm guessing there was a line, no black man will ever be a frog man in this. <laughs> um, I did. I saw the next movie a lot, actually. I liked uh, You Can Count on Me quite a bit. It was sort of, I think, my dis- I, the first time I ever saw Mark Ruffalo in anything. Yeah, uh, oh, I think me too. Me. Uh, yeah. Laura Linney. And it's, it's one of those movies... I get sad thinking about because, like, I really like this. And I told a friend about it, and she's like, I really like that movie, too. I'm so glad you told me about it. And I almost never have those conversations anymore because we all have, like, instant access. And she actually went to a theater and saw it and, like, I'm so glad you recommended that. But it's it's hard to describe it as a story that makes you want to watch it immediately. Yeah, that's true. A brother and uh, sister reconnect, and there's some light affairs and... You know, kid involved, and like I don't know how to describe it, make it sound any more exciting. It's just like there's some good performances, and it's pretty emotional, and it's an unconventional. At the time, it was an unconventional story. 
really good at performances. I mean, Kieran Culkin plays the little kid, which is he's so great, of course. And um, also the guy who plays Laura Lynn, Ferris Bueller. Yeah, Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. Yes, he plays um, Laura Linney's boss. That she, and yeah, I actually was watching this right before we recorded. You can find it on Canopy mm-hmm. um, through your public library. It's wonderful. I remember hearing about it in 2000 because it was like the big indie darling mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. that year for sure. And it got like nominated for some Academy Awards, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. Screenplay. Yeah. It was – it's lovely. And I really, really like depictions of siblings that are different from what we usually see. Like I feel like a lot of times when you see sibling relationships in motion pictures, they're – I don't know. I keep, it kept flashing to me like, you know, wedding movies where like all the bridesmaids are the sisters. They're like, oh, sis, you look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And like everyone, they're all kind of the same or whatever. But I mm-hmm. really like depictions of siblings where like one's kind of a fuck up and the other one's like taking care of them. But then there's like complicated dynamics between the two of them. I just think it's a great it's a it's a really good movie. It's yeah. just really good. And it just leads up yeah. to the, the, an emotional scene I Mark Ruffalo is like the cool uncle, whatever, man. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen you in years, little kid. Let's hang out. What do you want to do? Shoot some pool? I'm like, uh, hey, you want to go meet your dad? I'm like, this is not a good idea. But mm-hmm. he's the cool <laughs> uncle and then goes to take this kid to his biological father who, oh, that's right. He's a complete piece of shit. Oh, I'm going to have to beat him up now. Oh, in front of his kid who hasn't seen him in years mm-hmm. uh, and creating one of the most traumatizing moments in his entire life. What a fucking shit show. What an absolute like like mm-hmm. four-person yeah nuclear shit show which I, I think you know most people can appreciate in a movie like the the world didn't get destroyed but like this is one of the worst things that could happen between these four people um and i don't know you can count on me as a yeah i remember really liking the movie yeah it's it's believable mm-hmm. interfamily shit show mm-hmm. not the mm-hmm. big dramatic mm-hmm. you know i was there when dad died where mm-hmm. were you yeah. you know mm-hmm. not not that sort of thing. I mean, it's it's the directorial debut of Kenneth Lonergan, who did Manchester by the Sea. Ah. If you want, you know, an even more depressing version <laughs> that does have more of a big dramatic reveal. But yeah, you can count on me. It's just it's one of those. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just so damn solid and mm-hmm. just just really interesting. Mm-hmm. It reminds me. It gave me flavors of Lars and the Real Girl a oh. little bit, mm. like. Same sort of small town, like sweet town sort of situation. And but yeah. Not I, like hitchy and wacky. Right. Just right. Just kind of realistic. Yeah. yeah. It still respects the characters and stuff, which I really, yeah, I really liked that about it. Oh, and cool. also Rachel getting married. Remind me a little bit of that. Just mm-hmm. talking about like different family, realistic family interactions. Yeah. And yeah. oh, that wow! What an awful note to reset on with a uh, red planet. <laughs> yeah. Kind of the opposite, I feel. Like. I mean, I didn't see Red Planet, but just from what I saw of it, I remember uh, that the last like, little kid part of my brain, I remember like, "There's two Mars movies coming out this year, yay!" And then Mission to Mars okay. comes out, and I'm like, "You were 20. Uh, I know. When this was I said so li- I hope I, you I, did not sound like that. I said little kid brain, little kid brain. Like I haven't seen a Mars movie in forever. This is totally." Totally refreshing because like even Mars Attacks is like four fucking years. Like, yeah, we'll see a movie about going to Mars again. Like uh, I think it's one of the things society lacks. We don't have a ton of progressives anymore because we don't really talk about where we want our future to be. So if you're not thinking about what planet you want to travel to, you're not thinking about your future. 
So I thought I saw two Mars movies coming out and got excited. And then first one was Mission to Mars. I'm like, well, that wasn't good. And like, <laughs> so, but there's always Red Planet. I'm like, oh, this is even worse. <laughs> this is even worse. Um, uh, we got Terrence Stamp, Simon Baker, Benjamin Bratt, Tom Sizemore, Carrie Ann Moss, and Val Kilmer in Red Planet. A crew sent to colonize Mars is about to discover there's no place like home. Val Kilmer, Carrie Ann Moss, Red Planet. I don't even remember what happened here, but like it, this made Mission to Mars look like a masterpiece uh, like, yeah. of oh, realism. This is this, and... is sh- this is the schlocky version. Yeah. You know, oh. usually when you've got a head-to-head, there's the artier one and there's the schlockier one. This is the schlockier one. Although I just realized Graham Revel is the star of this episode of Thirty Twenty Ten because he did the music for this and Child's Play too. And Psycho 4. <laughs> wow. wow. Anyway, uh, yeah, Red Planet, they go to Mars and they get attacked by like bugs and shit. Um, <laughs> it's like, as I, it's more fun than Mission to Mars in a lot of ways because yes. that's like supposed to be a serious like 2001 Space Odyssey style drama. And this is yeah. just schlocky as fuck. It's got bad CGI. Uh, it's just, you know, it's more of a monster movie and mm. it's really stupid. I do love at the end, though, where Val Kilmer has a very reasonable reaction to, like, finally getting back to the ship and finally getting off. It's just like, get into the ship. All right, everyone strap in. We're taking off. Fuck this planet. We're going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you use you use your one F-bomb properly. I'm just giving the finger to Mars. <laughs> fuck this planet. God, Let's I w- go. I wish I, could say, I wish I could say fuck this planet once and it not be about Earth. It's <laughs> so great. Is this Carrie Ann Ross's like follow up to the Matrix? I guess technically, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean she's so. in, she's in Memento as well, but I can't remember where that is in the timeline. Ooh, we haven't really... hit it yet. It's coming yeah. soon. Okay, but she, I feel like she hasn't. I don't know. She really didn't get enough work. I feel like after the Matrix. Hey man, yeah, good point. Sounds like somebody didn't check out the Marvel Netflix universe. She's she's one of the ties that bind. Guilty. <laughs> um, wait, not even close to last, but not least, is the penultimate movie on our list. Jamie Draven, uh, Gary Lewis, Julie Waters, and i guessing most people's introduction to Jamie Bell, mm-hmm. Billy Elliot. Inside every one of us is a special talent waiting to come out. The trick is finding it. Why don't you join it? From the producers of Four Weddings and a Funeral and Notting Hill. Let's do football, not... Comes a movie poised to sweep the world <laughs> off its feet. If you're making up a 10 best list this year, you'll only need nine more. Go, Billy! Billy Elliot, rated R. Now playing in select areas. Open. Why is this rated R? Yeah. Swearing. Oh. oh, God. It shouldn't be, though. This it really movie is great. I love it's this movie. So freaking. It's like calculated to be as heartwarming as possible, but without being like schmaltzy and schlocky mm. and like silly to round it out. Yeah. It's sweet. It is. It's so, so sweet. So it takes place in Northern England uh, and during a minor strike. And this little kid has been like sent to go toughen up by learning boxing. But over there at the, the hall or whatever, he, instead, he doesn't want to box. So he wants to do ballet. Which they all say it like mm-hmm. that, which is so much fun. Ballet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he starts like he loves to dance. And like that becomes like how he expresses himself. And his dad is like, oh, that's not... That's not what boys do. You just go punch things. And he's like, no, I want to dance. 
and it's adorable. It is. It's so good. I really loved this movie. It was a big movie for me because I was in ballet at this time. I had been in ballet since I was three years old. So any movie that came out about dance, I was super into. And I just absolutely loved it. And my ballet company that I was in did not have any male dancers. It was an all-female ballet company. And so Mm. I just didn't have a lot of exposure to like boy dancers. And I don't know. I absolutely love it. And I just think Dance is a really good thing for little boys to get into and and big boys to get into and everyone. I mean, my stepson did ballet for many years here Mm -hmm. and, you know, was in the Nutcracker and stuff. And yes, it's just fantastic. It's just so good. And it became a musical, which I also saw on Broadway. Mm -hmm. And that was fantastic, too. (laughs) Yep. And that musical is how I got my most liked tweet of all time. What? I got more than 2,000 likes on a tweet because someone retweeted the lip sync battle with um <gasps> oh oh my god why am i blanking on his name help me tom holland tom holland thank you i want to say jamie bell again that's different yeah. uh the lip sync battle of tom holland doing umbrella and they pointed out like what's so great about this is he's dressed femi right but that's not the joke he's right he's owning it and he's dr- he's dancing in a masculine way most of the time mm-hmm. but he's dressed femi and that's awesome and i just pointed out in the comments after that he got his break in Billy Elliot the musical which really? is about exactly that about how we had this this and this anti-masculine bias against dance whereas except that dance is a sport in a lot of ways it's like it requires more more physicality than a lot of sports do looking at you golf oh it's above <laughs> sport because it demands physicality and then also has to look great too Football yeah. doesn't have to look great. Baseball definitely does not look great, but <laughs> dance has to dance look is awesome as well. So much more demanding of the overall person, yes. especially, especially ballet, yes. which Absolutely I think good. is the most extreme of and all to dance. A beat. Oh, yeah. As someone who danced on point for many years, yes, it's extremely <laughs> demanding. But uh, go back, going back to Tom Holland's lip sync battle, uh, mm-hmm. a thing I've seen. Many, many, many times. So great. Ooh, I'm so, so glad good. they pointed that out. The that yeah, it's not that he's in drag ish, isn't it's not a gag. It's just how he's dressed. Like it's, I I didn't see it that way. God damn it. It's the perfect thing too, because Rihanna's original choreography for that show or for that um that song is kind of masculine. So mm-hmm. it it's really gender bendy in like every direction, which I absolutely love. And yeah, there is no joke to Tom Holland's performance because everyone's doing that thing where instead of laughing, they're just kind of like making a noise like, ah, and clapping because it's just so good. You're just like, I remember, I remember showing like it. whatever girl I was seeing that clip and they just gasped like yes, and almost cried. Yeah. And <laughs> yes, that clip makes me feel a lot of emotions. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, so good. I, I seriously feel that. I I feel like Tom Holland playing Billy Elliot for, on stage for so long. It's like, I feel like he got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, he, like that's inside him now, the love of ballet. Oh, ballet. man. And anyone who has anything to say about the masculinity of male ballet dancers, those guys get so much pussy. It's insane. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean... Honestly, it's I, I have it's always wild. I have always felt you cannot seriously appreciate wrestling and slam ballet dancers for a fucking second. Because the, the, the sacrifice is like in the, the artistry is very similar. Like try to do the things any of those dancers, guy or girl too, and you will get hurt. 
you mm-hmm. likely so like you need to you need to it's it's worth appreciating is what i'm saying once yeah. you recognize once you, it took me getting older and realize i can hurt i can't do everything and can hurt myself trying that like oh i i get it now i'm like, oh, okay because i just mm-hmm. you know there was a certain time i could do all that stuff I just didn't want to mm-hmm. and also now, or you could just bounce back from it faster yeah yes. and now now i'm at a point where like it was embarrassing until my girl said yeah i did gymnastics for a couple of years like what could she still remember it? I'm like yeah i could still do a handstand and it was like you know turned 40 this year and like this is the first year i w- was not physically able to do the thing i've been able to do for 40 years i remember when you did a handstand for me i did and again, I, can, I can walk around until i pass out and like i've yeah. been able to do that up until like last year this is the first year it just doesn't work wow. anymore it does, it the doesn't. end of an era yeah yeah <laughs> But yes, also, to get back to Billy Elliot real quick, too. This was the first time, watching this was the first time I was really introduced to the class conflict that was going on in England during, because it's set in the 80s, right? The early 80s? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With, like, everything that was going on with Margaret Thatcher and all of that stuff. And, like, I had no idea about that until I watched this movie, which is, like, that's kind of a through line that's going through it as Mm -hmm. well. Um, So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it was. Yeah. A lot Great. of that is anchored anchored by Julie Walters, who is someone – she's a hey, it's that lady for mm-hmm. literally millions upon millions of people because she's what the Weasley's mom in all the Harry Potter movies. Ah, uh-huh, but uh-huh. she's been at this shit for 40 years, and I don't think I've ever seen her give a bad performance. No. She's, she's like – I feel like she's like British Holly Hunter. Yes. It's like she's always got like a little bit of edge, and she's really sweet and nice, but you push her, and it is fucking on. It's, she's really her. good. In Killing Eve. Oh, shit. I've been meaning to check that show out. That's on my uh, very, very up on my list. And I, I, I did not see this movie, but it did. The marketing introduced me to the jam's town called Malice, which is a song I'd never heard before <laughs> the trailer to this song. And I think it's in the movie. I, I just, just looking that up. That song is great. Yep. That song is great. And yeah. And you're right. It totally gave us Jamie Bell, who's been mm-hmm. in a bunch of stuff Snowpiercer, uh, but he was the voice of Tintin. Jumper, uh, the, maybe <laughs> the bad Fantastic Four. Yeah, King uh, Kong. Oh, he's in King Kong. King Kong. Okay. Uh, terrible yeah. in that too, but that's not his fault. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. No. This is this is a definite. Things are probably kind of sucky right now, and Billy Elliot is extremely feel good. But mm-hmm. yeah, like like you said, without being like soapy and schmaltzy, mm-hmm. it's just fun. So. Also, let me correct. Julie Walters is Walters is not in Killing Eve. I was thinking oh. of the woman who plays the aunt of Harry Potter. So, uh, sorry. Oh, oh, right. Fiona. F- yeah, Fiona Shaw. Fiona Shaw. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Sorry. Hey. And speaking of terrible all around. Speaking of terrible relatives. I think this is a, there's an interesting thing to learn from this. Uh, Robert Smigel, Rodney Dangerfield, Laura Herring, Tommy Tiny Lister, um, Harvey Keitel, Reese Affens, um, Patricia Arquette, Adam Sandler, and a ton of other cameos. Oh, 2000's Little Nicky. Adam Sandler is Little Nicky. Who's that man, Mommy? I don't know. We sell his butt ugly. <laughs> It's his first day away from home. You're in the human world now, kid. In fact, it's his first day ah! on Earth. Thanks, Mom! <laughs> unafraid. Release the god. Very unafraid. We are all gonna die! Little Nikki. Yes! I mean, woof, woof. Ready PG-13 starts Friday. Oh, uh... I can't. I fucking can't. I thought about watching this because it's the number two movie I, this week. I, Diana, at the box literally office. number two. I can't. I was, it's it's I, a number two movie. 
I've seen when Adam Sandler does a funny voice. I'm out. I've I've seen this uh, dozens of times, including recently, and I don't hate it as much as like a bunch of people did. But I think it's it's I'm trying to phrase this uh, correct. Adam Sandler had been on a roll from Happy Gilmore, uh, no, from Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, uh, into Wedding Singer and Big Daddy, and mm-hmm. had, was kind of fail proof. And then he made a movie with all of his friends that clearly cost millions and millions of dollars. And the whole world was like, okay, we're going to start treating you like a real movie that costs a lot of money. And he could not stand up to that heat. Um, $85 million. dollar comedy. I think that, that, that drew in a kind of resentment that most comedies people make with their friends don't get. Because now you're presenting yourself as like a normal mainstream studio movie and like, no, you're just a bunch of fucking jerks making <laughs> making movies that entertain yourself. But when you start adding layers and layers of CG and A-list cameos, we have to start taking this a little seriously. And the world decided to collectively swat this to the ground. There are dozens, literally dozens of worse Adam Sandler movies than Little Nicky. Uh, but it's it's uh, opulent. It's opulence, I think, brought it down. Because it's, yeah. It, it, it's something about the product placement being involved in CG shots. I think it was thoroughly distasteful. <laughs> Popeye's chicken is fucking awesome, and uh, he's playing his uh, he's playing his SNL Weekend Update concert reviewing Gill something or other. They beat me mercilessly for hours. Threw me in a Woodstock porta potty, and like it, it's the exact same voice. But now he's the son of the devil. Is is I think it's cute that his, his brothers are <laughs> Reese Ifens and, and a, a Tiny Lister and Harvey Keitel is the devil. But I don't know, as someone who's a big comedy nerd, there's so many fun cameos. I hadn't seen Dana Carvey in fucking years. And he pops up playing a character from Adam Sandler's album. Sorry. That's, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Whitey, yeah, he'd play him in Nay Crazy Nights, but Dana Carvey plays him here. Uh, John Lovitz pops up out of nowhere as a peeping Tom. Kevin Nealon has tits on his head. I think it's the funniest thing Quentin Tarantino has ever done. <laughs> <laughs> we all gonna die. <laughs> it, playing a blind priest. I thought that was great. Uh, but again, it's not good. It is just not the worst Adam Sandler movie. That's like the mm. first three Netflix movies. Those are fucking terrible. Mm. And, and I'm a, I'm a Hubie Halloween fan. I'll go to bed for that. And oh my! Stop it! It was you name a better Halloween movie that came out this year. Um, no, I haven't seen any. So <laughs> the witches. Uh, the witches that no, came out. I didn't see it. Oh yeah, I bet that was probably pretty good. I don't know. It's Bo makes. Um, but but yeah, little Nikki. It we you on our YouTube channel. You can watch us stream the, t- the Nintendo Game Boy game that is equally <laughs> terrible because. But like yeah, Adam Sandler. I think flew a little too close to the sun with this one. Put too many friends in. There's too many weird sequences. All Adam Sandler movies are technically bad movies, but like Kevin Smith gets away with making, let's say, non-conventional movies, and so does Quentin Tarantino because it's not so indulgent to the creator. Um, and I think Little Nicky, there's something overly indulgent that most, even Adam Sandler's fans couldn't take the ride with. Where where is the eighty five mil going to special effects? I mean, half of it takes I, place I in just hell. Don't yeah, there's a ton of I CG in this. Yeah, if if this costs thirty to forty, I would go like, yeah, because that's like what most of these things cost. Yeah, the mm-hmm. physical comedy, remember, is not like him getting kicked in the nuts at a zoo by an ostrich. He like he's falling off a skyscraper, kind of shit. Mm-hmm. He's uh he's an indestructible demon. Uh, for we weren't clear about that. Little Nicky, son of the devil. 
is it just me or does it seem like in 2000 well yeah in 2000 we seem to be having a lot of like devil hell devil themed things Mm -hmm. going on end of days yeah Yeah. it's millennial horror is the term for it yeah Yeah. i think think the expiration date on believing the devil was coming up so we had to rush a bunch of films to Never mind. Feel terrible for saying that. I love that, that because that implies that the devil has this like calendar that they're like ripping <laughs> off. Like, uh, almost time. Every, like, every modern Christianity depiction of the devil, like, uh, <laughs> it, it, you, you mock the devil, and the, really, the devil's like, ah, oh, man, I'm the devil, and I was thwarted. <laughs> Again, like, why do we fear this guy? <laughs> like, like, Fuck the devil. I'll say that to his face. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Take pun yeah. intended. I'll quote Carmen right here and say, "Satan bite the dust." That's my that's my Southern Baptist upbringing slash Catholic Wait, baptism talking did here. Did you just reference Carmen? I did. I said, oh "Satan bite God. the dust." My and- friend. <laughs> I had a Carmen VHS of his music videos that I wore out as a child. Oh, God. Diana has Who's no idea what we're talking about. Who's in the house? No. JC is in the house. <sighs> Carmen, oh Carmen is the richest musician no one's ever. No, I saw, never, yeah. like, five years ago, I saw signs in our fair city advertising him coming to perform at a church. And I wanted to go so bad. But. There, there's an undiscovered world of Christian VHS entertainment that, like, this is so expensive mm. and, and, mm. and insane, and sell, sold to churches at like sixty dollars per VHS. It is. Whew, sorry, sorry, that's neither here nor there. Little Nicky, not good, but also not the yeah. worst. Most, Watch some Carmen music. You know, you know, I, you know, I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm, I'm phrasing this as someone I love. Met him once. Fucking great guy, Nick Swartston. Mm-hmm. But he's in the Adam Sandler camp. The second that guy starts appearing in Adam Sandler movies, they're all worse than Little Nicky. Like Ooh. any movie that he's in with Adam Sandler, not because of him. I'm just using him as like my my timeline. Um, yeah. Whenever he's in stuff, that's when shit is really, really bad. Yeah. Um, and I love the guy. So, but but anyway, um, moving on to television, SNL people on the 11th of November 2000. Your host, Callista Flockhart, and musical guest Paul Simon. I kept looking up Callista Flockhart clips, and apparently, it might just be the current algorithm, but uh, I keep seeing only ones where somebody is doing an impersonation of her on Celebrity Jeopardy. Yeah. But that uh, also be because my algorithm is teetering towards the death of Sean Connery. <laughs> well, probably, but also this wasn't a super exciting episode of SNL from what I read. But I do love that it is by the, the, like the two people are the two tiniest white people that are so famous <laughs> at this time. They can fit in one coach seat together. <laughs> two tiny whites. Uh, um, uh, on the 10th uh, three years after airing in Japan uh, Gundam Wing Endless Waltz uh, airs on Cartoon Network to kind of seemingly incredible ratings second only to Dragon Ball Z and this is back when anime was completely taking over Cartoon Network and this is like a finale OVA I just just, it does what I say about like when I was saying earlier about how we grow like can you imagine wanting to see the sequel to your favorite thing and having to wait three years longer than another part of the world. No. It's not just an Amer- American privilege thing. Like That's just not how things work now. We have the internet. You can't have a story out there and expect to keep it under wraps for three fucking years. Mm. And, and, they, and that's how this worked 20 years ago. 
Um, bummer. And also on, on the twelfth, American Tragedy, a TV movie with Ving Rhames, Ron Silver back again with more hey, yeah. more movie credits, and Bruno uh, playing Kirby. another shitty famous lawyer. I was gonna say so. I just pulled this. I couldn't find a good clip from it, but it's American Tragedy. It's a TV movie mm-hmm. about the O.J. Simpson murder case wow. where Ron Silver now plays Robert Shapiro, but of course we all know that the Dershowitz was also on O.J. Simpson's defense team, yeah. too. But in this case, in this movie, he's played by Richard Cox. Does, does Bruno um, Kirby play the guy David Schwimmer played in the, the no. juice? Oh, the juice. <laughs> oh, no, Robert Kardashian. Did yeah. he really? That's played by... Okay, David Schwimmer played Robert Kardashian in the most recent one. Robert Kardashian in this one, American Tragedy, is played by Robert Lapone, who's Patty Lapone's brother. Oh, and, uh, and for the for the younger people out there, Bruno Kirby, um, you probably don't know about him. He's what happens when um, in Smash Brothers when Kirby swallows John McClane. Um, <laughs> sorry, you I'm, I don't know why I tripped over all your shit to say something that stupid. Ugh. God, I miss recording in person. I could have something thrown at me at least. <laughs> also, this uh, TV movie was adapted from a book. And the person who adapted it was Norman Mailer. Really? That's insane. I, you know, I had the time. I, <laughs> also, Ving Rhames what? played Johnny Cochran, which I just yeah, can't I, was say, I don't see him as OJ. No, no, I cannot no. picture it. <laughs> we need to no. find clips. He's of this the now. size of two and a half Johnny Cochran. Yeah, I know. I mean, do you know how to? You know how you can easily delude Ving Rhames? Put a wig on him. It, I, I just don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it. He's our black Kojak. We don't need. We don't need that at all. No, <laughs> nobody a, needs that. Don't put a wig oh, on Ving Rhames. Mm-mm. Yeah. Now, People versus OJ Simpson was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I don't mm-hmm. think you can tell this story in two hours right. plus commercials. Well, it was a, I think, a two night event. Oh, but still, and definitely not the story. This story so far, man. That that People versus OJ Simpson is really wonderful stuff. What are fantastic. we fantastic? Um, the 6th through the 11th, uh, like I, I teased earlier, this is these next two weeks um, in a pre-download retail world was the most coveted spot and everyone fought to get their games out in this period. So it gets a little crowded. Uh, Capcom versus SNK, Millennium Fight 2000. Crash Bash, a Crash Bandicoot party game, Incredible Crisis. The world is not enough. Back when James Bond was a successful video game franchise and not a movie you <laughs> couldn't see. Shenmue. Is out for Dreamcast this week. Escape from Monkey Island uh, is out. Counter-Strike is out. Again, we'll explain more about this on uh, uh, patreon.com slash lasertime. And next week, you start getting the Maddens and the Final Fantasies. So, like, it's 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 a real crowded week for that holiday season uh, getting geared up. But uh, let's close out with Weapon of Choice by Fatboy Slim. Something we didn't even have time Ooh. to get into, how, like... We rattled off that album, but you will hear it for the next seven years in every movie, every commercial, every yeah. MTV drop. Uh, holy shit. This is the Christopher Walken music video, right? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is also one of the music videos that they played on repeat after 9-11 on mm-hmm. VH1 and MTV. Right. Just because it's fun? Just because yeah. it's like <laughs> lighthearted and not worrisome in any way. And, you know, Christopher Walken dancing and flying around is like, you know. Yeah, that, that, that weird clear channel internal memo. Here's things we don't want people to think about when they're listening mm-hmm. to music. And it was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I, I always pegged a uh, Bill Clinton's FCC dismantling of a 
monopolization of the radio ruined music, but it might have been 9 11 because it was just like <laughs> no one should ever feel bad again. Anything with sadness or well, a violent lyrics or a violent name has to go. I think a big part of it too is that you don't want to be like after, during this time where everyone feels crazy and we're all mourning, you don't really want to have to like turn on MTV and see like something extremely like sugary and poppy that seems like it's mm. totally ignoring what's going on. Right. I didn't it's even a fun wanna... beach party. We're yeah. so happy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I didn't even want to pull an example, but yes. But you know what happens if we don't do that, Sarah? Hmm. Terrorists, Terrorists win. win. Uh, that's a Counter Strike reference that I'm making for the kids. Uh, but, mm. but, yeah. uh, and seriously, if the kids have not seen this video, oh. come on. Guys. Or if you just haven't watched it in a long time. Because, I mean, I know practically no one's seen Pennies from Heaven, but Christopher Walken is a mighty fine dancer. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Always has been. And, and the deer hunter. Just, he just okay. goes for it. I love it. Obviously, the deer hunter. There's an extended <laughs> dancing scene at the wedding. It's so weird. That's like, that is your godfather. But uh, <laughs> It is. <laughs> um, well, let's close out with Weapon of Choice. We'll be right back with 2010, but stay tuned for Classic Corner. Be the ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of november 6th through 12th uh, let's go with the you know i don't talk i don't talk family movies very often but it's 50th anniversary of one that it's not great but it is super interesting and that is released 1970 this week the phantom toll booth directed with the animation parts directed by chuck jones of course i'm going to be a snob and say i prefer the book uh, if you have weird kids, I think they would like the book and the movie uh, because it is very weird and punny and goofy and like sort of I don't know, it vaguely reminds me of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, but with a lot less murder and a lot more math jokes. And yeah, it's about a kid who drives through this box and now he's animated and he goes through this like very surreal and yet sort of educational world. So Phantom Tollbooth, if you've never heard of it, it's a little obscure now. Both the book and the movie I recommend for the kids. And for grown-ups, this week, 40 years ago this week in 1980, saw the release of Mel Brooks and David Lynch's fine collaboration, <laughs> The Elephant Man. Except for the straight story, it's the least David Lynchy David Lynch movie. I would say eh, maybe Dune I'd throw in there too, but it's not David Lynchy. It's just showing what a freaking solid director he is. It's the Elephant Man is based on the true story of Joseph Merrick, although he's called John in the movie, and he's got this you know severe deformity and about him you know being taken out of like a freak show and and studied by Anthony Hopkins. It also has Anne Bancroft, John Gielgud, Wendy Hiller, uh, John Hurt. Completely unrecognizable in the makeup. And between this and American Werewolf in London, it's pretty much how we got to finally have a Best Makeup Oscar because the makeup, I believe it's based on his actual remains. And it is fantastic. And that John Hurt can get so much emotion out using really just his voice. It's gorgeous. It's filmed in black and white. It's gorgeous Freddie Francis cinematography. And yeah, if you've never seen it, it's 
it's not a film that's a freak show. It's definitely not a comedy, but it's also not scary or anything. It's it's just really interesting of what is it like to be born different and all his many, many problems being in, you know, late 19th century London and the medical establishment and what they're trying to do to help him. And yeah, The Elephant Man, it's an absolutely beautiful movie and it's produced by Mel Brooks and he made sure his name wasn't specifically on it because they thought, well, people are going to think it's going to be a wacky schmacky comedy, but it's not. It's just beautiful and moving. So those are my two recommendations for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with "fuck you," I'm no. That's the name of the song. I'm not addressing the audience. Coming in 2010 with "fuck you" by CeeLo Green off of the Lady Killer. I was confused. This wasn't his Gnarls Barkley. It was it's post Gnarls Barkley. Exactly. Yeah, mm. I thought this song was a lot older than 10 years. No, well, Ooh. it sounds like it because it's got that sweet Motown sound. Mm-hmm. Yes, Man, between it. this and Bruno Mars, I was a happy camper briefly in 2010. <laughs> it's like, yes, teach the children's about about Motown, please. Yeah. And I, oh, I just one person goes out and learns about Jackie Wilson for the first time. I'll be happy. I can't not think about how they use it in the first in the Muppet movie <laughs> <laughs> yes. that they have Gonzo's chickens cluck it and like sneak the song <laughs> "Fuck You" into a Muppet movie. It's so wonderful. Again, like just thinking of like, yeah, the adults are laughing and probably some of the kids. Okay. Uh, 2010 music. Uh, We got Loud by Rihanna, which has a bunch of number ones that we'll be hearing from very soon. We'll be talking about this for a while. Uh, Oh, yeah. Some Kind of Trouble by James Boulant. Man on the Moon 2. The Legend of Mr. Erasure by Kid Cudi, who I think just released a trailer for the third one. Um He's back to doing it. His Man in the Moon trilogy will be completed. I'm just saying. And All the Women I Am by uh, Reba McIntyre. So something yeah, yeah. for everybody in there. Like a G6 by Far East Movement is still number one. Let's move on to the movies of 2010, November 6th through the 11th. Uh, Megamind is number one at the box office. Don't Let's not forget about Dogtooth with a bunch of names I don't care to pronounce. From Well, because it's... <laughs> Greek. Yeah, there you go. That's um, the one. But this this is the first breakout movie by Yorgos Lanthimos. Oh, oh okay. Who did yeah, the favorite and the lobster. Okay. This oh, is his I love second the lobster. movie. Yeah, oh. this is a second movie, but uh it like it played at Can in competition, I think, and it got ridiculous rave reviews. And like his other movies, it, it can be difficult sometimes because mm-hmm. uh, it's about these parents who never let their kids have any access to the outside world. And um, it gets weirder and weirder from there. So it's, you know, 10 years since people had to learn how to pronounce Yorgos Lanthimos, which I'm probably pronouncing wrong anyway. Is it difficult and weird the way the favorite is sometimes? Or is it difficult and weird like funny games? (laughs) More like the favorite. Okay. Mm. All right. Because it's available on Tubi and Canopy. So it was on my list. I just didn't get to it because Halloween. But yeah, I I really loved, loved, loved the favorite. So I'd be interested. I mean, there's it's culty and unpleasant things are happening towards kids, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. not it's not like torture porn or anything. It's just it's I guess you'd call it psychological horror in a lot of ways. Okay, yeah, hmm. but it's it's really good. Yeah, just looking up the like 
poster and like the description, it kind of gave me a, I don't know why it gave me a funny games vibe. So I just, just a little, it made me nervous. I can see that. I mean, it's about a family stuck in one place mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they're being kept there by a, a person whose intentions are rather malevolent. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, spe- well, we're, we're in the weird category. Why not talk Speaking about of uh, malevolent? <laughs> Steven Spinelli and Roxanne Mesquita in Rubber. People, Rubber. Like if you were paying attention to movies in 2010, everyone heard of Rubber because it seemed oh. like it seemed like a movie made on a dare or <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, or like a 30 Rock movie. But it's it is a competent film and true art a movie about a killer tire. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, ex- it's 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 mostly exactly what it sounds like. Um, yep. but yeah, but it's also like a commentary on film itself that yeah. it's about people. Yeah. Uh, standing on a hill with binoculars watching a movie play out mm-hmm. off in the distance about a tire that has like psychokinetic powers and can kill people <laughs> and it just sort of rolls along killing things man the second the second movie i thought i saw it but i never would have seen it in 2010 uh tiny furniture kind mm-hmm. of uh lena dunham's oh what do you want to call it I don't know if it's her film debut, but it's her breakthrough. I feel like it's definitely her big breakthrough. Got mm-hmm. everyone's, a lot of people in Hollywood's attention. <sighs> I I feel like I'm one of those people that's like, I don't know why. I just don't like her. And I hate that because sexism is usually part of that. Not with die. You know? But I mean, it's a pretty good movie. And mm-hmm. it definitely relates to girls in that it's about an aimless person who comes from a bit of privilege and her like trying to figure out what to do with herself. And does she want to get a job? Eh, I don't know. And um, I don't like, I'm kind of jealous of my sister. And And it's like, there's a lot of realistic, like mid twenties angst going on, but it's Mm -hmm. also like, shut up. People have it worse than you. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's coming from a place of incredible privilege. (sighs) Uh, every aspect of it's, it. And I'm saying this as someone who, who well, likes girls, and I think Lena Dunham is genuinely funny and a good writer. But, yeah. but like, the whole movie is what Diana just described, and I believe her parents paid for this to exist. Well, so, it's a very specific privilege, which is not only having, like, money, but also mm-hmm. having entree into the art world, which mm-hmm. is its own, like, weird echelon world. Mm-hmm. Because, like, her mother is an art, or both of her parents, I think, are, are artists. Like, artists, artists, like make things that go into museums artists mm-hmm. not saying that other people who make things are not artists but you know what i'm saying the yeah, fine arts artists that we imagine but it's it's interesting that you brought up like rachel getting married earlier or we talked about you can count on me which is also about like white yeah, people nothing. and their interpersonal problems and you think oh boo fucking who why do i not feel that way towards them that i feel that way towards her in this movie in particular. Because she doesn't working class. Yeah, those people are, are not just working class, but they are experiencing real problems. Like things that are difficult to face, like prison and children. This one is like, I, I just don't want to commit to a single career and I can do that as long as I want. Um, <laughs> I don't really like saying that people's problems aren't real. Problems, no, no, yeah, me neither. But, but me neither. But it's hard. Like, it, I would not tell people to see this movie. Personally. I would. I think it's an interesting piece of history, honestly, mm-hmm. like from someone who enjoyed girls a lot. And I, I don't always I love Lena Dunham, but I do always find what she does in the public sphere interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think P- Tiny Furniture is like a interesting exploration. And also there's obviously like a lot of the like – seeds of girls you can find mm-hmm. in tiny furniture including the many cast, many actors right? yeah yeah I, I don't know what it is i think maybe it's because she's 
a graduate from film school and she's mm. just like, gee, I don't know if I'm going to actually do something. It's like, I, I, she's one of those people who was in film school where I was constantly looking at them like, why are you here? You have nothing interesting to say. Right. Mm. Like, why I don't... are you here? Why do you want to be a filmmaker when you have nothing interesting to say? Go study film. You can teach film, whatever. Do, do cinema studies. But all these people who want to make a film who don't have an original thought. Why? Do you, did you take this because you thought you got to watch movies all day? What, what, you just want to be famous? Like, Why do you want to express yourself when you seem to have nothing to express? I don't know. I find her voice to be pretty interesting, um, especially in girls. Her specific sense of humor, I think, is mm-hmm. extremely specific. I, and I, think, I thought she was a hilarious yeah. character in girls. I really Yes. Did. Yeah. Like she captures like the personalities of the people like in girls. She captured so perfectly. Like I know these people. Mm-hmm. Like I know these people in my life. And this is, of course, like tiny caricatures of how real people are. Not anti yeah. Lena Dunham, but I'm not pro tiny furniture. So mm, fair. I, I want. I just wanted yeah. to put that out there. I feel like I did not watch a lot of girls, but she was always my least. The character I was least interested in. Dude, she oh. was. She was the most oh. prone to failure and embarrassment. She is fucking hilarious, <laughs> and her and her, she... her wardrobe made me angry. Like, oh. are those six plastic lizards stapled onto your T-shirt? I hate you. This is great. I cannot <laughs> stop watching. Oh, <laughs> Girls goes down in the pantheon of many, many, many TV shows where the main character is the worst character. Yeah. Like, 100% feel like that's probably true for Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. something we've talked mm-hmm. about a lot. And I've spared everyone from talking about this. I, I, I also so don't hate her, truly hate her character. I just thought they took the most risk with her character. And, oh, yeah. uh, and it was always the funniest. So, like, uh, yeah. It, but it just it's it's the Garden State prospect. Like, oh, do you not mm. feel good? I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna go stand over here because I don't personally know you and I don't care about this. Yeah. I, so I'm and I'm it's definitely like, not watching your movie more than once. <laughs> I know it's like I I feel bad because it's like your feelings are real, your feelings are valid, and yet at the same time, snap out of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, I would rather watch the the first black frogman movie um than than lena dunham not knowing (laughs) what do i want to do make 60 or eighty thousand dollars a year i'm so cute and have sex in a drainage pipe which is the real scene that really stuck that kind of shit i am constantly fine with i i demand as of right now more young sex scenes just because like yeah when once you get you're old enough to like get your own place or like a hotel it's not as fun it's not as fun. You gotta, <laughs> Is you, it? You gotta fuck it. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not a woman. Most of it doesn't take place on my butt and uh, <laughs> or give me grass stains. But uh, there but, you go. But, so I understand. I understand. But like, yes, the the young fuck. It's 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 something I'll never do again. All right. Um, well, maybe rephrase that. But let's. Move th- on. <laughs> it could have been done more eloquently. But that's that's. <laughs> you could have helped me there. Instead, I was shamed for my phraseology. Uh, Morning glory is out this week. Speaking of shame, who do we got here? No, none of these people deserve shame. Patrick Wilson, Jeff Goldblum, Diane Keaton, uh, Rachel McAdams, and Harrison Ford. Morning, Glory. Becky Fuller, you start on Monday. In every life, there is that first big break. Yes. That first top job. You two should banter back and forth. Banter from the Latin word meaning to gibber like a moron. Enjoy the pain, get to... That first true love. You're different. Yes. Get ready for the first feel-good comedy of the fall. You know him? No. Well, yes, I mean, I... Yes. Morning Glory. Rated PG-13. In theaters November 12th. 
that trailer does not give this movie justice. I at was going to say because yeah. that's a terrible trailer for this. When movie. we're on the ship leaving the Earth as it's like burning up, I, this is one of the first movies I will throw in the uh, bin to burn for fuel. No, <laughs> like, this movie <laughs> is such a delight. Oh, okay, I, surprise, surprise. I, I somewhat agree. I really liked this movie quite a bit. It's on Netflix, so mm. check it out. But yeah. yeah, there's like I don't know. First thing, why don't we know about this movie? Like, there's uh, so many huge stars in this, and yet, like, mm-hmm. nobody has talked about it ever. Once, once I saw, the, once we clicked, I clicked the clip and saw Harrison Ford as the newscaster. I'm like, I, I, I'm a little kid, and I can't not pay attention to anything Harrison Ford is in. I definitely remember it, but I wouldn't go see it. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it feels rom com because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of is. And it's about this uh, young go-getter who's working on this morning show and she's like bringing these two veterans you know together it's really interesting to find out that like the the writer was inspired by the sunshine boys of all things that it's like these people don't get along personally but professionally they're so good together that someone trying to younger person trying to make them go back together and you know re-spark the magic and it's cute it's light it gets a little too cliche at times for me because like the little bit of tinkering we'd be heading into broadcast news territory and that would make me so happy there's little (laughs) little spots of it here and there where i'm like oh and then they're not gonna critique the news i mean i think i mean you could have ditched patrick wilson pretty much entirely and now we're talking a hundred percent yeah i mean it's a rom-com where the ladies romantic interest is her job which i love i think if we frame it like that and ignore the patrick wilson parts which i do not like to do because patrick wilson is a hidden treasure yeah i really like that guy all love patrick wilson and also on a side note we're talking about fun things that you see on twitter google patrick wilson rehearsal for phantom of the opera girl (laughs) that's all i'm saying but i i found this movie to be an absolute delight Yes, it's cliched. Yes, it's rom-com-ish, but Mm. um, I'm into it. I'm here for it. And there were absolutely parts where Sam and I were both laughing out loud, like watching it. There's this whole little side story where they're putting the weatherman through all these like wild side stories where he has to do all these like crazy things for the news. And it is so funny. Like I'm into (laughs) it. I really like this movie a lot. And it's really like a it was a breath of fresh right yeah I, I mean it is it is peak grumpy harrison ford which oh I, yes I do enjoy. and sparring with diane keaton is oh, pretty it's a good match pretty great fantastic yeah, diane keaton does sparring and banter just you know better mm-hmm. than anybody else it's like oh it's it's got it's got so much good stuff in it that's why it's like it kind of kills me where it's like, oh, I feel like you have more to say. Like, did the script get dumbed down? I I feel like maybe somewhere along the line the script got I dumbed down. It did, just to give like I said, we're so close to being into broadcast news territory where it's like mm-hmm. technically there's a love triangle, but really that's not what it's about at all. It's mm-hmm. the characters are deeper than that. And here I don't feel like they are. Yeah, they definitely no, could not, be deeper. Nothing bad on Rachel McAdams, who I love in everything. She's super underrated. Yeah. She yeah. elevates everything that yeah. she's in. Yeah. I absolutely think. Um, they did a weird thing with Jeff Goldblum where, I don't know. Oh, he's not in the trailer? Feel... Jesus, you'd have Jeff well, Goldblum and do The whole time I feel like he's trailer. coming off a bender. Like, he's not Jeff Goldblooming <laughs> oh, oh. that much. And his hair is just weird. Like, I don't know. it's just like <laughs> a strange uh, uh, Does anybody have him. any uh, V8s? And, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh, 
salary. Yeah. yeah, it's like, okay, if you don't like rom-coms, I feel like this movie's, you're not going to get sold on this movie. But if you do at least tolerate a lot of rom-comery, then at Morning Glory, yep, you probably missed. And here's a, it's, 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 it's brought about by uh, Double J. Abrams Productions, Bad Robots. Yeah. And there's yeah. a very mm-hmm. weird chance, if you were reading about like what if we didn't have Harrison Ford back for Force Awakens? And what if that happened because of a previous relationship with Double J. Mm. Abrams on Morning Glory? <laughs> Holy shit. Because they friends, apparently. That's how he came in and uh, saved the uh, Leia moments, if you know what I'm talking about, in Part 9. The mm. terrible version. Uh, the... <laughs> anyway, uh, sick of Star I Wars. Will... New episode coming soon. I also want to say that I really like Rachel McAdams and Diane Keaton together. Mm-hmm. I think they play yeah. off each other really well. And they play mother and daughter in The Family Stone, which is one of my favorite holiday movies. And I feel like mm. they do so well in those roles. Like, I don't know. Maybe Rachel McAdams is a little Diane Keaton. Like, yeah. just, I like their, I see that. I like their deal together. Well, yeah. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah, I see it. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. love their deal, you're going to love Donald Faison. And Eric Balfour <laughs> and Brittany Daniel in uh, a movie called Skyline. Every city in the world is experiencing the same encounter. My God. We're getting out of here. You gotta be strong. Somebody's fighting back. We're at war. Maybe the worst is over. I'm in on. We need to survive. Is this based on a mutant Buick skyline? It looks like a Transformers <laughs> movie, uh, but it clearly isn't. I, no, dude, just... I don't remember this at all. All right. Well, let, let's talk about. I'll talk about why something is kind of interesting about it. So it's it's a low budget movie that they shot very on the cheap and spent all of their money on the effects. Because mm-hmm. it's kind of again back, go back to like Cloverfield, where it's about like regular folks are stuck in the middle of alien invasion. All of mm-hmm. a sudden, these all, all these alien ships show up, like Independence Day, and they just start like sucking people up. And these guys are stuck in a condo for most of the movie, just trying to figure out what do we do, where do we go, how are we going to deal with this. And you know, as a B movie, it's it's okay. It's actually it's got some fun parts. It's got a couple good uh, scary alien gags. They they set up a sequel, which I guess happened on. But, you know, as as a good old fashioned budget B movie, mm-hmm. I actually quite enjoy it. Oh, cool. Yeah. All now, right, I'm here's, in. It's, you know, it's like a, it's a light recommend. But but here's where it gets fun is. So remember the social network we talked about this year mm-hmm. and how it's about the Winklevosses hire Mark Zuckerberg with this idea that they have. And then he has sure. a similar idea. That's where this movie becomes interesting because it's mostly made by these guys who ran an effects company who are also hired to do the effects on Battle Los Angeles, which is coming out next year, Damn. which has basically the same idea. Yeah, yes, it and does. So, <laughs> which is also is... about aliens attacking the middle of a city and you having to fight and stop them. That one costs like $80 million. This one costs like 15 Diana, that's sure. the greatest reference I ever understood immediately, like with recent stuff. <laughs> I, I, yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. They use They yeah. use their prowess and learning to focus on two things simultaneously and right one for them and the thing that they got hired and everybody does that pretty naturally but like the timeline of this is pretty nuts yeah Yeah, so sony sued and it went around for a while and eventually they figured out they weren't stealing any assets they weren't working on sony's time to make their own movie it was more 
like, oh, well, now we know we can do this and we can do this cheaper. So let's just make our own movie. I mean, that describes like most people who do what I do. I work for a major company. I'm like, oh, that's how you do that. Uh, we don't need to do this expensively. I'm out. Patreon, peace. Mm-hmm. That, that's how that shit works. Like, uh, otherwise, I'll never have access to this equipment, time, or budget unless I go work for a wasteful company. And- <laughs> yeah, so go, go work for a wasteful company, learn mm-hmm. how to do the job, and then do it for yourself. Mm. That's pretty much it and we'll get to battle of los angeles in a couple weeks and it's it's not as much fun as skyline I, skyline is it's i hate that it's, it's taken over the battle of los angeles the which should own that google search result but yeah i mean this is like 90 minutes it moves pretty fast it's mostly populated by hey it's that guy's from tv I, they look like the premium cable all-stars like the sixth tier person on every show oh it's the guy from dexter yes. that's the guy from six feet under mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> that's exactly and i'm not talking about michael c hall i'm talking about angela and claire's boyfriend i watched yes. both of those shows god damn it oh uh, i looked up six feet under the other day because i'm like damn it when are we gonna talk about it next year you guys we're gonna talk about it, it. Ooh, okay. love six feet under so skyline is the kind of thing that makes me happy it's like we can still make cheap ass budget movies mm-hmm yeah, and even though yeah, you're spending all millions and millions of dollars on effects, but that's where all your money is going. You're not bothering with anything else. So yeah, Skyline is sort of like a guilty pleasure kind of recommend. And I am livid. I didn't get a chance to check this out oh. because you told us Bro. to. It, it, I love it. Quentin Tarantino. Like he's like, I don't know how I don't put this movie in the top ten of the last decade. Uh, Rosario it. Dawson, Kevin Chapman, Chris Pine, Denzel Washington in Unstoppable. Unstoppable. There's a train coming. 6 there's an unmanned train on the northbound track. It's coming straight at us. That train's carrying toxic chemicals. We're talking about a missile the size of the Chrysler building. Go right now, chase it down in reverse. Train that size going that speed, it'll vaporize anything in front of it. We have been told to anticipate an event radius of 45 miles. Nothing's wrong. Tell your sister I love you both. We got- <laughs> I, okay, I'll watch this tonight yeah. because... This uh, is so great. Uh, uh, and I... I, I uh, here's, here's the thing. Here's, Unstoppable. Here's the thing. Uh, it was uh, the Tony Scott-Denzel Washington partnership. It, it bothers me yeah. almost as much as the uh, Mila Jovovich-Paul W.S. Anderson partnership. And I don't believe Denzel is married to Tony. At least not anymore. <laughs> um, bit of a dark joke. Yeah, I hated everything else they ever did. What? Really? Yes, yes. Man on Fire? Yes. Man on Fire is pretty dang good. Man on Fire fire. is great. Um, No, I mean, Tony Scott, he's known for flashy action. mm -hmm. Flaction. Mm -hmm. You know, going all the way back to Top Gun. It's weird. He feels like a wannabe Michael Bay, but he was the first Michael Bay. He was who Michael Bay modeled himself off. ripped off Tony Scott for his entire career. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. and it's all under the tutelage of the the, the Brock and the Simp. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Simpson Bruckheimer going back mm-hmm. to, I mean, Crimson Tide. That's a tight-ass movie. And yeah, he and Tarantino first worked together in 93 for True Romance, mm-hmm. which ah. is a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it's like an uh, almost ruined Grant Tarantino movie. <laughs> no, I listened to him on the Rewatchables podcast, Rewatchable, explaining why he thinks this movie is so great. And it's basically, this is the best kind of this movie. Mm. It is crafted immaculately. Like, yeah. we always understand where the train is, what the threat is. There's crazy ass stunts. The characters are thin, but not paper thin. Uh, yeah, and there's always like helicopters in the shots. And yep. like they keep, you know, the sound design is really good. They keep upping the states and upping the stakes. And it's, yeah, no, is it great cinema? No, 
it is really well made cinema. It's a fun motion picture. And sometimes that's all you all you want. This movie is right. basically like a algebra problem. It's <laughs> <that is> like <laughs> really scary. <laughs> Because every single like time they flash away from the train to the people who are in the control, it's like this train is traveling at <laughs> 65 miles per hour and the next town is 27 miles away. We don't have much time. And <laughs> can you please just for X. even if even if the audio, even if Sarah won't do it, do it in your head. Please do that like stuff on next time. <laughs> this movie has everything a train going at 45 miles per hour carrying 20 passengers each passenger is this heavy yeah, i mean it's nice and lean and mean and it, like they drop you into this world of like yeah what what is it to be a modern train conductor and mm-hmm. what do they do and how does this all work and they explain it in a you know okay. believable fashion okay. without like big sloppy exposition oh just yeah sort of like it feels Apropos more lived in. Apropos Sarah, of nothing, apropos that. of nothing, I met my fucking neighbors the other night who just moved in and took away my Star Wars horror love and neighbors who were my my age, and and but and they turned out to be great. And they're like, uh, uh like, oh, do you have a record player? I'm like, we have a really nice record player. I'm like, why? He's like, our friend's a conductor. I'm like, <laughs> and I, and she's a John Mulaney. I'm like, please say more right now. Like, <laughs> like. Like conductors make a lot of money. It's like, oh, you don't know about conductors? Like, I do not know about conductors. And like, conductors start at like like six figures. I'm like, but they don't steer. What? Why? Pilots steer. Why? Conduct? He's like, and no. Then, con- and then you ask, what symphony is he with? Yeah, <laughs> I'm so confused how this is a <laughs> record player story. Yeah, their conductor friend makes so much money on on a train <laughs> that that like like yeah, all conductors make crazy bank. Did you not know that? And like, is that? Hold on, is this because it's a rare position, or it's actually like takes a lot more skill? And which I can totally accept and expect. Uh, that it takes more, but, but like, yeah, like, no, yeah, our tr- conductor friend makes like $300,000 a year and buys yeah. us the greatest birthday presents ever. And like, and again, we're not, you're, you're not talking about like Hans Zimmer. This is not the friend you're talking about. Like, no, a conductor of a train, a conductor of a wow, train is the skill required and the, the, the time put in to be, to actually get there and get the job. Yeah. You make fucking bank. We and my like fucking us air pilots are on like government assistance <laughs> oh my gosh and- i know sam and i were actually talking about that when we watched this movie like he was kind of like you know what if i were to go back and like go to trade school do something different like that would be a yeah, thing yeah. i'd be super interested in as being like a trade engineer and i was like mm-hmm. well you got to find those striped overalls i don't know yeah. but <laughs> and then i can I was- everywhere i go i'm giving diana the high hat because my hat's high <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, come on, un- union infrastructure jobs, working at a port, yeah. working on a train, working yeah. in trucking. Sure. Yeah. Uh, apparently like yeah. richest guy trucking they know. Trucking is my like alternative uh career path is I yeah. I feel like I would be a good trucker, honestly. Mm. Sorry, neither, but, neither here nor there, anyway. but I didn't think of it. That's why I thought like I need to watch Unstoppable. I forgot. <laughs> yeah, you should. I forgot yeah. uh, until uh, last I believe night. it's on HBO right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, it's just I mean, it's so weird that, yeah, uh, Tony Scott and Denzel Washington made like six movies together. And uh, most of them, except maybe Man on Fire, I'm like not crazy about. The last one was also a train one, taking a Pelham 123 remake, which I did not care for. Fucking terrible. At all. Not Mm. Denzel's fault, but did uh, a lot of it was the directing. 
I was it's not a never. fan. It's, it's, it's never it was Denzel's John, fault. It was John Travolta's <laughs> fault. <laughs> I'll say it. No, I, I, I just, literally the directing, I didn't like it. And mm. here it works a lot better. I feel like it's a little bit more restrained and just mm. doesn't, it isn't as unnecessarily flashy and just like lets, lets you understand the threat without being like, it's a threat. Well, I think it's yeah. an easy to understand threat. I mean, here is mm. like a million pounds of steel that is unstoppable. There's a train it's on coming. <laughs> oh, stop it's it. <laughs> Let me so, watch this movie. Yeah, so I'm like, I was just sort of like, eh, I don't know. I guess I'll watch it. And then I'm watching like, this is about as good as this kind of movie can be. I get it now. Yep. Oh, it's definitely one of the best of its genres. I mean, it's speed on a train. Yeah. And speed, yeah. speed to me is a, a very lean, perfect action film. And, and like thoroughly yeah. inexpensive, like just the idea of like all these people talking to one another, like, what are we supposed to do, man? Not now. Every, <laughs> I'm not here for you, man. Just back up. I fucking love speed. So like I've been dying to watch Unstoppable, well, but it wasn't, it was, it was the, the, the Halloween-y time. It got from the back burner. Shit. I know. This is also one of those movies that I was joking with Sam. Like, while you're watching it, there's so much train lingo that, like, three quarters of the way through, you feel like you're a train expert. You're like, he just needs to apply the manual brake three times, mm-hmm. and then it'll be fine. That's like, all we got to do. You got to get down there and hit the hammer on the HO scale and do that yes. right. Yes. <laughs> and then attach the girdle. <laughs> Uh, I could use one of those as well. It's not just for trains. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that, especially if you need something to distract yourself right now, Unstoppable. Unstoppable. The train coming. You know what? <laughs> Denzel is cool as hell. Unstoppable. <laughs> okay. um, yes, do yourself a favor and give yourself a double feature of Morning Glory and Unstoppable. Um, I don't know no, that I want to. I'm not signing off on that. If you're. <laughs> If you're sick of us singing the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt song mm-hmm. over and over, mm-hmm. you should just skip us two weeks from now. Yeah. Hint to um, what's coming. Up. It's a um, that's ten years old. Fuck no. me. No. Oh, okay. No. A movie thing. is twenty years old. Mm-hmm. Oh goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I am a big Conan O'Brien fan. If you didn't listen to the episode I did about the complete saga of Conan O'Brien's Tonight Show. Uh, here's the here's the supplemental information that happens afterward. Uh, but I, do, I thoroughly recommend people listening to that laser time. It is far and away the most listened to thing we have ever done. Mm-hmm. And I uh, appreciate people for telling whomever, but it was probably just like the fucking AV club or something. Uh, <laughs> and I cry at the end. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's, it, it, you can't cry here because Conan gets a new job at TBS and I'd already seen his... his Conan, Conan uh, I saw him on his... It was called... Forbidden from being on television and radio tour, uh, 2009, because <laughs> uh, part of <laughs> walking away from the, from the Tonight Show meant he could not be on television for uh, I think seven, eight months, and mm-hmm. everybody was pretty shocked that like when when the dust settled, every, is he going to go to Fox? Is is WB going to CW going to pull some shit? And TBS decided it wanted to be in the late night game. If you think about what TBS was. 10 years ago, they were making traditional sitcoms and traditional mm-hmm. talk shows when those were kind of being abandoned. They were like, ah, this is your thing. We'll build a niche audience around you and really bought like a giant block to build around Conan. Uh, and they announced he's on TBS and the, the the first episode finally lands. And I'm saying that I saw the trailer for his show on TBS in a movie theater. I watched that probably <laughs> two or three times a year. That looked expensive where he has a whole... <laughs> 
orchestra conducting him driving off a cliff to be on TBS, uh, throwing popcorn in the engine. I love it. I love Conan. I, I love Conan a lot. It has one of my favorite intros, just Conan O'Brien. Move the Tonight Show. No, what are you going to do to me? <laughs> Click. And then it's just this whole montage that ends up somewhere with NBC murdering him on camera. Um, <laughs> cut to later, he survives out of a hospital and he's in his <laughs> suburban two bedroom home with his nine children and nagging wife. And like, you need to get another job. And I just wanted to share the sequence because there's a great cameo in it. I want to see if you can get it on audio. Conan, you have got to get a job. We have 14 kids. Do something for this family, Conan. Get a job. So as I think you can see, I believe I'd make a marvelous addition to your team. Because you have absolutely no advertising experience. Plus, it's 1965, and you're two years old. Get out of my office. Thank you. You're very good looking. <laughs> John Hamm will do anything for... John will do anything for a comedy ham. Uh, oh, yeah. making an appearance, as does Larry King, talking Conan out of suicide. <laughs> Come to basic cable, Conan. <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the greatest, and it's my favorite moment, and it's too visual to show you. It's like uh, TBS finally makes him an offer. I'm like, I think this is very attractive. And they slide him a little note over. He opens up the first lap, and it just says, less. And he opens up the next less. <laughs> Open up the next flag. It says much. <laughs> he's like, I'll take it. I'll take it. And Conan's been on TBS for ten years. That is a surreal thing for me to That's think about. Wild. Yeah. All, all I ever wanted for him was the Tonight Show. And I mean, who knows? I I love his podcast. I I'll be honest. Like with the, when he got the Tonight Show, I'm like, yeah, we got to watch this every night. My roommate's like, you want a TiVo? And like, I don't know how to TiVo anything. I've never had one. Do okay. Uh, you want to watch Conan? Like the core it's still a talk show and a lot of commercials for very little entertainment and then i just sort of faded out and watched the internet clips that i liked and i did the same thing for the tbs show at some point but i i, I there's something he does that no one's really matched and i get depressed every day i see jimmy fallon hosting this night show <laughs> it's okay though it's a kill your idols sort of thing you yeah, know yes and like and, and he has such power at tbs he's just like i don't want to do an hour anymore i want to do one funny sketch, interview somebody I like, and maybe a monologue, and like that's it. And like you're right, that's tighter, that's better, that's yeah, that, that's yeah. about how much time I want to spend with somebody I love five days a week. Do it, yeah, great. And he's yeah. used his power to like champion other people mm -hmm. that he wants to have a voice. I know this because he was a huge. He was one of the reasons why Pete Holmes got a talk show, yep. and hmm. which was very very funny and great, and did not last very long. Unfortunately, I'm a big Pete Holmes fan, but um, and but like, yeah, why Chris Elliott using... got Eagle Hearts? He like loved Chris Elliott and like yes. yeah, gave, like let's yeah, he should totally be in Walker Texas Ranger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. And TBS has also figured out it's funnier to send him places. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All, and uh, I think they're all on Netflix, even. Just yeah, like the all remotes. Of travel stuff mm -hmm. Where, yeah, it's like, just goes to Korea. Goes, and not like even popular, but it goes to Estonia. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. <You> know? <laughs> goes to Cuba. That was yeah. so much fun. Yeah. Oh, the Cuba one is the best. In the before times when Antis and I used to be in the same room, that would inevitably come on. 
is well let's just put on some conan remotes because it's clips. truly the best you, you know the best one like just search conan brian mccann where like a guy after 20 years retires from a show and they just like go through his characters oh. the guy who bowls whales the guy with <laughs> bulletproof Pope. legs and of course the greatest character in any medium the fedex pope in like, the fedex pope is this... possibly ever is fedex uh, pope the fedex pope was a really weird character <laughs> a guy with a hotel robe and a fedex shipping box on his head but gave very popely stares to the camera <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it's yeah his tbs show is like there, I ha- we uh, you, like you just reiterate. We have favorite things about our his CBS show now. So I think like Conan's one of those talk show hosts. Like Jimmy Fallon's is as good as his beer pong games are. <laughs> mm-hmm. Jay Leno's is as good as his monologue writing is. Whereas like Conan, like put Conan and have him do anything. It's like usually entertaining. Mm-hmm. It's always good. Uh, love my Conan O'Brien. I'm very biased, and I'm sorry if you're a Fallon fan, but not sorry if you're a Leno fan. Um, if you're a Leno fan, stop listening. If you're a Leno fan, do not listen to our episode. About- <laughs> <laughs> no one, no one is a fan of Leno after this. Um, I'm, I'm quoting David Letterman. Like, <laughs> no one's blaming Conan J. God. <laughs> um, ah, video games of 2010. Again. Two... Oh, wait. There's one more. There's a TV. Oh, there's a, sorry. I almost skipped over, uh, one of, again, an episode of Laser Time that Sarah came up with based on bottle episodes, which is not something I was aware of until Community's bottle episode, Cooperative Calligraphy, which aired on the 11th of uh, 2010, November. I didn't know what a bottle episode was, and I'll never forget after this episode, and hopefully you won't have the Laser Time episode. But it's uh, one of those things where they kind of strip the ability for characters to leave or call anyone and have to focus on themselves. And you you end up getting... trap everybody in a room. You trap people in a room and you end up getting like uh, about a half a season worth of arc in just those episodes. (laughs) uh, Because all they have to do is talk to one another. And this all revolves around Annie's pen going missing because her... No one shows up prepared with paper and pencil and always borrow from her and never get it back. And she's tired of it. I want it back right now. And no one's allowed to leave this room until we find her pen. And they can't and they don't. And they tear one another apart, including to up into including where they're naked, standing with one another, like <laughs> accusing one another of who has the pen, who's more likely to be a thief uh, because you've done this in the past. And it's both a good bottle episode and like a good deconstruction of basic television and uh the the running gag of all the things that they're missing while they're stuck fighting over yeah. this pen mm-hmm. just every now and then having a voiceover from the dean come in it's like oh well get ready everyone it's time for the puppy parade <laughs> and then it starts escalating to oh the puppies are chilly so they need to put on tiny sweaters <laughs> get out of here guys boy you'd feel silly if you were missing this and i love the monologue at the end it's just like we can't find the pen and like mm-hmm. Take this home, Jeff, with one of your monologues. It's like, I think Troy's right. I think Ghost did it. I'm like, why? It's like, <laughs> why not believe anything else over everything else we've just seen? None of us clearly have this. Let's put our faith in the ghost. <laughs> Troy, go. Why does the ghost have the pen? I think it's a ghost that hates pens. <laughs> and like, and like, it's. <laughs> I love this episode so much. It's everything community as well. It brings back a classic character. I was just going to missing. Say. In yes, boobs. the reveal, of course, in true community fashion, ties everything together. Mm-hmm. Is it? Is it the boobs? Yes, Annie's, yes, Annie's, yep. Annie's boobs. It's stolen back. by a monkey named Annie's boobs. Annie's boobs. 
He, has his, he can do what he wants with his own Twitter account. Uh, video games of 2010. Again, we'll go more in depth on this. Patreon.com slash laser time. But uh, a ton of fun stuff to talk about, including Crazy Taxi on PS... Sorry, that is not a new game, but that's one of my favorite games ever. <laughs> Sonic Colors. One of the weird... You guys probably remember when like Sonic and Mario were mortal enemies. At around this time, it's like uh, Sonic doesn't make video game systems anymore and has decided to make games exclusively for the guy he was the meanest to. <laughs> so Sonic games landed exclusively on Nintendo platforms, and I think Sonic Colors is one of the best Sonic games trapped on the ugliest and worst platforms ever, and I would love to see it remade, re-released. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit is one of my favorite games of all time. It's also one of the, my, uh, my tolerant ex-girlfriend the few times she complained about my multiplayer habits because rather than like I hide in grass and snipe people I'm out running the cops so she basically like it's like we have sirens running through the house nine hours a day like mm. you're right this game is too fun I should stop uh, but uh, <laughs> but it's I think it's being remastered right now because of how good um, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit is it is Ferraris versus cops and it and you and um, when you go into the online room you can either be the cops you don't know who you're going to be. You'll be either the cops or the sports cars. And all the cops cars are also sports cars. And it's just take down dudes in cars. I'm like, this is so simple. Why didn't anybody do this before? This is great. You don't have missiles. You don't have power. You have some powers. But like, it's awesome. It's all about like good driving. Take people down with pit maneuvers. It's dope. Um, Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon on Wii. Pac-Man Party on Wii. This is a very Wii-centric week. Uh, NBA Jam on Fire Edition uh, is out. You know what? We'll go more in depth in this in the Patreon because I, I don't trust the release dates I'm looking at right now. But oh, sorry, Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. We'll have a Ubisoft oh. employee and also the biggest Assassin's Creed fan I know. That game made me a believer again, and it it had every earmark to. It shouldn't have done that. Not unlike Psycho 2. Like, this should not have been so good. <laughs> I didn't need to see a follow-up to this situation. Like, Jesus, this is so refined and fun. Thank you. Um, Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 1, which I didn't play, but we'll see. Patreon.com slash time, And that is about it for us. Uh, J.R. Rawls is one of our producers. Thanks to Patreon and thanks to our other patrons. We really do appreciate you. Um, LaserTimePodcast.com is where you can see all the shows. Uh, hopefully, you know, I know it's outdated to throw a comment on a website, but, like, everyone's going to forget what you post on Facebook in a day, so... You know, if you want to be part of the conversation forever, that's the only thing I'm encouraging you for. Otherwise, comment where you want. But sometimes you guys are uh, irreplaceable mountains of information, and I wish it was under the episode, you know? Because uh, some, some, something supplemental to something I couldn't have known. We have a website as well. Di, where, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenAnerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And coming up next week, Christmas season officially begins. Yes! So keep the, ch so keep the change, you filthy animal. Yeah. What? No Ooh, way! Oh, yeah. I'm going to buy it in 4K. I saw it today. Oh, boy. I'm so excited. And All right, now that that's out of the way, Destin Burst. Got to do the Destin Burst. Who died during this period of 3010? November uh, 6th, well, we left. In, in 2010, we lost Dino De Laurentiis, the film producer. He was 91. He produced so many things that, like, he was sort of synonymous with uh, terrible movies, like mm -hmm. King Kong Lives and stuff like that. But he produced a lot of amazing ones. But he also produced a ton of amazing movies. I mean, he... He helped distribute a lot of Fellini's stuff. Ingmar Bergman's The Serpent's Egg, plus 
Blue Velvet, The Dead Zone, Halloween 2, Manhunter. I, I, think, yeah. I think he himself. Dead 2 wouldn't have happened without him. I think he Crazy. himself probably sucks, but like he has an eye for something. Mm-hmm. And I remember I w- the last time I was on the Universal lot, I'm like, Dino De Laurentiis is, and it's a fucking portable, like old school, <laughs> elementary school. It's a portable Dino De Laurentiis Studios. And like, and I'm, I'm asking my friend who knows a little more, like, what the fuck is this? And like, he bought the rights to Silence of the Lambs like 40 years ago and we're making Hannibal. Mm-hmm. And so now he's attached to this forever. He's always going to be the producer of anything with Hannibal Lecter in it. Yeah. And produced or co-produced mm-hmm. more than 500 films. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, yeah, most of them suck. Yeah. But <laughs> but there's a lot of real good ones in there, and we would not have a lot of different filmmakers without him. So, sorry. Arrivederci, Dino De La Arrivederci. <laughs> hey, you want to find out whose birthday it is? Birthdays! Oh, birthday is a doodly-doo, a ding-dong doodly-doodly-ding-dong-doo. Turning 74 this week. Born November 6, 1946 in Pasadena, California. She is halfway to an EGOT with two Oscars and three Emmys, but she received the Kennedy Center honor in 2019, which is way bigger than an EGOT. Meryl Streep. Safe guess. Lily Tomlin. No. Ooh, good guess. She is also a sexual abuse survivor, an activist for women's rights, gay rights, and got arrested with Jane Fonda last Day- year. Oh, I was supposed to. <laughs> How was it not Tom? <laughs> no, she was. She went for Fire Drill Fridays with Jane Fonda, and got arrested protesting climate change. So Lily Tomlin was a good guess, but it's not Lily Tomlin. I was a really good guess. I should get this. All right. Well, we've talked about a couple things that she's in. Mm. Um, start with an eye for an eye and where the heart is. Oh, uh, Susan Sarandon? Susan <laughs> Nope. Oh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. She is not seven. No. She directed the film Beautiful that we talked about like a month or two ago. It was a directorial debut. Uh, two of her Emmys were for appearing on ER and Brothers and Sisters. Sally Field. There you go. Sally Field. And also, obviously, Punchline and Steel Magnolias. And we like uh, her. We really like her. Mm-hmm. We really like her. And I just like looking over her filmography and realized she's one of the only people I can think of who transitioned really well from the dumbest comedy possible to mm-hmm. being one of our great dramatic actresses. Mm-hmm. And it's like still she- great in dumb comedies. And still, next year we get to talk about Soap Dish, which is yeah. seriously one of my favorite comedies ever. She, she's not bad. And as she is great in it. She was not a bad Aunt May. And she's, yeah, she's fine. She's only the, sec- the second one I wanted to be. <laughs> I, mean, I, still, I still can't get over the fact that she played Tom Hanks' love mom. interest and then his mom. Like, mm. ugh. Well, I mean, like that was that that movie aged itself forty years. So, like, but 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 then also, I just want to throw shout out to Frog and Smoking the Bandit. She's so good in Smoking the Bandit. Oh man, yeah, mm. yeah. Someone who started out as Gidget and the Flying Nun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, she's one amazing in Still Magnolias. Mm-hmm. Yes, her freaking out in the cemetery is unbelievable. Yeah, and again, that's a comedy with a lot of drama in it, or mm-hmm. a drama with a lot of comedy in it. Love Sally Field. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, Sally Field. That is about it for us. Again, uh, patreon.com slash laser times where you can find us. Di, where can people see you? On Twitter, right? Yep, on Twitter at listenernerd. L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D. Thank you guys so much. Uh, We will close out with Winds of Change by Scorpion off of Crazy World, Diana's favorite band. Well, this, this video especially got played so much because, like, it's all about, oh, the Cold War is over and the people of Berlin are back together and there's lots of footage of the Berlin Wall coming down and this was, yeah, this was like so inspirational. 
And like we said before, we recorded this before the election, but no matter what happens, there will be change. So there will be. Mm-hmm. maybe this will make you feel better. I don't no, know. <laughs> not right now. We are all going to keep fighting mm-hmm. for the people that we need to fight for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be fine. Whoever you, you are, whatever your different stances are, you know, yeah, you're going to keep fighting. And also, I just, I love because the Scorpions don't, aren't native English speakers. Mm-hmm. His accent is really funny. Like, he always talks about the children of tomorrow dream a wee. <laughs> I don't know why I'm trying, <laughs> dreaming a wee. Really funny. Uh, yeah, maybe in 2010, that's possible. Uh, next week, my favorite Disney sequel. <gasps> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, yes, you're right, everyone. It is Apple Dunkling Gang Rides again. <laughs> 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 that is it. <laughs> but uh yeah check us out next week scorpions please take us out i need to go to bed <laughs>